Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Morelli Python Radio, and uh, we finally were able to track down the guest that, Rob, I think so many people have asked for Craig Trumbauer to come on the show. It's been crazy, you know? Um, Definitely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, timing, COVID, all that stuff, and uh, now we're finally making it happen. So uh, you may know Craig from uh, his two great books, uh, More Than Snake Hunting and Even More Than Snake Hunting. Um, great books. Uh, I know we talked about reptile books, uh, what, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was. And, uh, you know, these are definitely ones uh, worth, uh, worth reading. It's the stories, right? I mean... Think of it, Rob, all the stories of finding Owen Pelly pythons and, and, and all that stuff. And who knows? Maybe one day. Exactly. <laughs> those stories will be, uh, you know, something to the next we can, generation. We can try and do our own. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. You know, I'm not even going to waste any time with any nonsense, uh, what's going on or anything like that. Welcome to uh, Morelli Python Radio. Craig, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've had uh, quite a few people um, want to hear from you, so I'm glad that uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, talk about what you got going on. But um, I guess we're gonna start at the very very beginning. What got you into snakes and reptiles? Well, you know, I, a story like many um, kind of parallels. Uh, a lot of Harry Green stuff. Um, I, I was a kid, uh, fifth grade. Uh, my, my father was uh, um, a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, quite a pilot. Uh, uh, I wrote about him in my book. He was killed when I was 10 in a boating accident, but was a P-51 pilot. And um, we were living on the Rock Air Force Base at the time, and I went down to the creek and with my uh, daisy pump and... Uh, was shooting scalopris, uh lizards, um, and uh, shot a ribbon snake. And when I went to school the next day, um, I was kind of bragging about it, and uh, the teacher overheard this story, and she asked me, she said, well, why did you kill the snake? And I said, well, because it's a snake. And, you know, I kind of adopted my dad's thing with snakes. He wasn't really wild about snakes. So um, being just a tremendous teacher, had an impact in my life. She said, you need to go to the library and put together a report on snakes for the class. So I went to the library. I found a, a little handbook by Schmidt and Schmidt and, um, and um, you know, some color plates and uh, put together a quick report and was fascinated with that book and fascinated with those colored plates of, uh, of snakes. And, uh, I gave a quick report and said, the end, and uh, couldn't wait to get home and go back down to the creek. And this time I went down there and actually found another ribbon snake, and I caught it okay. and uh, brought it home, And which uh, my mother said, your dad's not going to like this, and <laughs> begged her. So we hit, we hit it in a tackle box. <laughs> we, you know, okay. Yeah, we, 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 had no, we had no idea. I, I, I just had a great mom. I, I had a terrific mom that just encouraged me and and so uh and and then pretty soon i uh, I, I found a uh, an eastern hognose snake and then i had a collection of three snakes 
and didn't know much. And back then, this was 1959, so back then, you know, of course, uh, very limited as to, um, uh, you know, care of reptiles uh, in captivity. Mm-hmm. But we, we figured it out, and, um, you know, that kind of started everything. And um, I, I just couldn't get enough of it. I was, I was in the woods every minute I had and uh, had free and flipping every rock and looking for everything. And, you know, uh, my dad was killed that summer, and I went out and stayed on the farm um, with my grandparents and put together quite a collection. And in the book, I talk about that. When I came home, actually, there used to be a company called Railway Express. Okay. And, and they would ship things. And um, uh, at the end of a chapter on that summer, um, I came home. There's a knock on the door, and there were two gentlemen with a big six-foot wooden uh, box with a screen top with all of my snakes in there and uh, <laughs> a real mixture. And, you know, my mom looked at me, she goes, what's all this? <laughs> I said, well, that's my snake collection. <laughs> so, so from there, it was launched. And I, I played the sympathy card with my dad being gone and uh, my mother caved. And pretty soon I had 30 snakes and 40 snakes and everything started. So, you know. Wow, that's crazy. You know, you brought up... Uh, caging, caging, go ahead. Uh, caging was interesting. Uh, actually, every time we would go past a, uh, a, a television set, TV sets back then were in, were in cabinets. Yes. And then when, when one was thrown out, uh, it'd be out by the curb, and we would stop. I would take it home, take the picture tube out, and it had a glass front. And I put a little pegboard on the top, and pretty soon I had a bedroom full of Zenith and Phillips and... <laughs> All, all kinds of cabinets, very, very, very Carl Caulfield-esque, you know. Yeah. Sounds like my childhood. Uh, my dad used to do the same thing. Exactly. Um, awesome. Um, you know, you mentioned um, not having anything to go by. Um, and I think one thing that I think that, I don't know if you want to, how we want to call them, the new generation of herpers or whatever, with all this technology and equipment and and, you know, uh, information at their fingertips and all this stuff. Well, I mean, how did, you, how did you figure out how to keep these snakes back then when there was nothing there? I mean, what did you go by? What was well, that process like? Yeah, and, and really, I'm, I'm going to do a third book here. I got to go ahead. And um, uh, Russ Gurley is, um, is, this is a nightmare for him because uh, this technology <laughs> sort of thing. I wrote my first book in email format and sent it to him, you know, and Russ, Russ, was, pulling, Russ was pulling his hair out. He, he was so patient and so tolerant and such a nice guy. You know? So, so I've come a long way. It's a little bit better. I do have a little writing program, but uh, I'm going to address some of that. You know, I, I want to, uh, they asked me to do a history of herpetoculture and there's no damn way I would ever, ever attempt that because you would leave out so many people that would be offended and I'm not the guy to do that, but I do want to mention a number of people that really were at the very beginning and uh, um, and started um, herpetoculture and breeding and these things as we know it. So um, I'm going to address some of that, loop it around some of my stories, you know. Um, but uh, you know, it was difficult. It, it was we. You really, what happened is that you there were two, two or three people. Uh-huh. You know, um, that had an interest in snakes that, that you would meet 
There really weren't any meetings back then. Uh, the primitive herp societies were the Chicago Herp Society and a few other famous ones. It got started, I think, uh, in the beginning of the 70s. But, you know, in the 60s, there was very little. I had a very good friend in Fort Lauderdale that was in the snakes, too. So it was trial and error for a lot of things. And, of course, zoo people were, were really good. And um, back then, you could actually call a zoo and you could actually get a curator. And uh, no Ray Pauly and uh, sure, a lot of people, and they would talk to you. They were, most of them were very nice and tell you what to do. So it kind of started a process, and it was a learning process. And then uh, I'm kind of a woodworker. I kind of taught myself and stuff. So, you know, I was able to come up with designs and things um, for my own caging. We made our own hide boxes and figured out heating and, um, and, and snail mail. You know, back and forth to, to friends that you would meet along the way. Right. Um, usually snake hunt that lived somewhere else. And um, that's kind of it. Excuse me. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, I, you know, just a, a learning process. And, and, of course, with technology today, it, it really is great. It, it's a tremendous thing, and, and everything's at your fingertips. But, but it's also made, you know, a lot of instant experts on things that, you know, I always ask somebody, I'm, I'm kind of a crotalid guy. I studied rattlesnakes for 50 years, and that was a mainstay of my collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the process through that, you know, I boas and pythons, Australian stuff and cobras and a lot of stuff, right? you know, um, but, but mostly crotalids. And, and, you know, I, I would get into a conversation and some, you know, kid, um, be talking about something as somewhat of an authority, uh, you know, and, and I'd always ask, say, well, how, how old are you? Uh, 18. You know, and it was just, I'd go, wow, at, at 18, we knew so little. Right. And, and of course, some of these guys, you know, I mean, if you can read, you become an expert, and it doesn't mean you have that experience, you know, uh, and have done this, but uh, new generation guys are really great. I really enjoyed them. They've been really, really nice to me, and and very tolerant. You know, uh, especially like you guys today. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, maybe Rob is a new generation, but I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm an old guy. <laughs> so. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hey, what's old? <laughs> me. <laughs> How old are you? No, I'm uh, going to be 47. Yeah. So. Oh. Man. I'm 72. Okay. So, you know, yeah, you're still there. It's all in your so, head, right? Yeah. 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 yeah what well, I can remember, right? Right. Uh, okay. All right. Um, you know, uh, the, how have you found yourself evolving as a, as a keeper or a, or a, a, a herper over the years? And do you continue to still evolve? Um, like, you know, you mentioned you keep all these different species. I mean, I find myself as like you sort of get comfortable with the species and you sort of work with it and you find that one that, that, that you really like, like you were saying, rattlesnakes for you, and then all of a sudden something else catches your eye. Have you moved through different, uh, you know, keeping experiences throughout your uh, keeping? Oh, 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 yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And... You know, I have some thoughts on this. Um, you know, um, I guess, I guess I'm 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 lucky, and I you know I talk to some uh, a lot of people that 
that got into herpetoculture um, for many different reasons, and sadly for some to get rich overnight, which is hilarious, <laughs> you know, unless you're, you know, unless you're a handful of people I know that that really had some money to yeah. invest and it did it big time. But I don't know if I, you know, kind of really want that 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 whole headache. But I think the thing is the difference between some of those people, and I'm not criticizing those people, but and us is. Uh, my favorite word, which is passion. If you're passionate, you know about snakes. Right. Um, there, there is no, there is no quote junk snake on the road. You stop and look at everything. Yeah. And th- there is there is you you really appreciate you know all of it. And I'm so lucky that I have because when I decided to give up the venomous when I when I came back here to Florida because I now have 12 grandkids. I didn't have those when I retired in Texas and. Um, you know, um, uh, I, I, it was very, very hard to do. I mean, I, I cried, literally cried when my last Eastern Diamondbacks went out the door and stuff, but it was, it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, could have got my permit back and everything, but just with 12 grandkids and I don't know if I'd survive another bite and getting older and sort of thing, but, but here's where the passion comes in. I, you know, I'm just so passionate about snakes that, um, yeah, you know, the, the rattlesnake thing will always have a big corner of my heart and my mind. But uh, I have a collection now uh, of, uh, and many of these things aren't worth a plug nickel to anybody else. They're, they're just, they are what they are. It's a collection of things that I like. And it's, um, it's kind of all over the place. And um, I think... You know, when you get into snakes, like you said, you know, you you start with something and then you kind of have an interest and you focus. And uh, with me, with with boas and pythons, boas gravitated towards the python thing. And then that kind of went to the Australian pythons. And um, and, you know, you're you're just trying to pull in everything you can Mm -hmm. with those. And and uh, but, you know, along the way, you'll see something else and you go, gosh, this is pretty interesting, too. And um, so I, I try not to limit myself. Um, and uh, um, I have an eclectic mix of stuff. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I'm not a real smart guy, but, but I will say, you know, maybe other than Tommy Crutchfield and a few other people, I probably at this age, and keeping snakes for 55 years, I guess, I, I've probably had more species of snakes Mm-hmm. Um, in, in captivity than, than, than just about anybody, uh, you know, uh, that's not bragging. It's just by happenstance and, right. and availability and being able to have those things. And, sure. and it's, it's really, it's taught me so much, you know, I, I know a little bit about a lot of snakes, you know, um, here again, I'll use Harry Green. I'm sure he's, you know, um, Harry Green knows a lot about a lot. I know a little about a lot. So, uh, but that's because of that, you know. And and I have, I have uh, wooden cages with glass fronts, and um, I'm able to observe snakes and watch them and see what they do. And I think I've learned a lot from that. So, um, so yeah, I, I it, it's kind of a natural thing for all of us to just kind of move along and evolve along the way. And um, you know, I, I just, gosh, you know, I just I, I kind of like it all. And and I, I like herpetology. I like herpetoculture. 
Merton Bechtel was, Dr. Bechtel was a great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Bern because uh, Bern was a dermatologist. He was an MD, but he was an academic and certainly well-versed in genetics. But, you know, he would come to the shows and, uh, and, and he would come by and he would compliment people on their things and uh, the things that they were producing. And people would ask him, his famous line was always, you know, you would say, well, well Bern, if, if I had this, uh, this T positive or whatever, or this allele is this, and I breed them together, what's going to happen? And he would look at you and he'd say, you know, I don't know, but do it. It sounds great. <laughs> tell me what you get. Tell me, take a picture and tell me what you get. We'll figure it out. You know? So, so I look, I like it all. I, I, I'm kind of a, uh, locality specific guy. And, mm-hmm. and, and I like, I like morphs that occur naturally. Right. But you know what? The corn snake lab, uh, the, the, the gopher snake lab, as I call them, that's all okay. As long as you're not fiberizing stuff and, and, you know, the Frankenstein creations. But you're just, you're moving Mendel's thoughts along much quicker. The ball python thing is just fascinating to me, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and, and by the way, I, you know, I don't have ball pythons, but I'm not one of those guys that hates ball python people. I, I like it all. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's, it's funny how, like, different species captivate people in different ways. And I find that the, you know, for most of the ball python people that, that I interact with, you know, they're just fascinated by the genetics, you know, they're, 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 um, and they have a passion for that, you know? It's crazy, right? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. You know, years ago, a little sideline to that, um, Kevin McCurley, uh, the ball python guy, and uh, by the way, I think he's got, I think Bob Ashley's doing another book with, you know, a thousand more names, you know, and, and I have to laugh, you right. know, I have to laugh with where these names come from, but sure. you know, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's okay. But years ago, uh, when Kevin was a kid running around barefoot snake shows, I was wheeling in some, some snakes, and I was down in Miami, and they shipped in some baby ball pythons, and I looked in this mass, mass of ball pythons in a box. I think Noah, um, who was pretty famous for bringing in ball pythons back then, brought them in. And, and there was one that was kind of lighter than all the rest. And, and these, these ball pythons were like $7 a piece. You bought them down there. And this one I got for 15 and um, it, it was, I called, I called it muted. Um, I'm very well aware of the term hypomelanistic and being medical. Uh, I don't particularly, I think it's a misused term. You know, hypo, like in hypodermic means under the skin. It just means under. So hypomelanistic means under pigmented. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? You know, a lot of that's just not genetic. I mean, is it genetic? then that's a different term that we use with hypomelanistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you can, there, there's one to ten in darkness to lightness, you know, that, that is natural, you know, out there. But anyway, this, this ball python was, I called it, muted. And I'm pushing my rack in. It's hot. It's in Orlando. And, and Kevin goes, hey, hey, can I see that ball python? I said, well, Kevin, can I get in here and just unload for a minute? I'd be happy to show it to you because I want to see it now, Mr. Trump. And I said, okay, okay. 
So Linda's facing me, my wife, and comes behind me, and and um, uh, you know he's he's a great guy, by the way. Right. But as as a kid, he was a little annoying. <laughs> and I looked, I looked at, and, and and if he happens to listen to this, I love him. He's, mm-hmm. he's a great guy. He's, he's a smart guy. But anyway, you know, he looked down there, and, and um, I looked at Linda, and I went three fifty, three hundred fifty dollars. I figured I'll get rid of him. You know, I mean that's a lot of money back then. And um, he said, um, uh, okay, I'll buy it. And he bought it. And I was shocked. Well, fast forward a few years, he came over, and, and now it's gone from, you know, Mr. Trumbauer to Craig. Uh, which <laughs> And he comes over and he goes, because he's getting big. And he comes over and he goes, Craig, uh, come on my table a minute. And I walk over there, and there's four little ball, ball pythons, and there's another zero. 3,500 <laughs> these type whatever they are, ball pythons. So it was right. genetic, I guess. I don't know. You know, and I just scratched my head and I said, well, who's laughing now? This is just crazy. <laughs> right. This is just crazy. Right. Because for me, you know, for me doing the shows, and primarily I didn't do a lot of shows. Uh, I did shows because I had four kids, great kids, three of them in college at the same time. And we made pretty good incomes, but you know, put three kids in college at the same time and try that out. Whew. And and so you know we 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 were putting kids through through college, helping with with that on the side, and I had to do something with my offspring anyway. So you know, but that was a revelation to me. I went, wow, you know. And then um, when Peter called, uh, call peeled back his first eggshell and called Tracy. And I think I think Pete had had a little bit to drink and uh, looked in that egg and Paul Tracy went, "It's genetic," you know, <laughs> and because uh, you know you you didn't know back then, uh, right? The piebald thing uh, and it was genetic, and then of course you know then you went to a show and you saw ten thousand dollar snakes and things that just you know I was just dumbfounded, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, um, I, I don't, you know, there's, there's the herpetocultural industry is, is really done a lot of good. It's employed a lot of people. It's, it's brought women to the forefront and, and herpetoculture and herp, herpetology. Uh, it, it's, it's fast forwarded genetics, which have been used in other things. And, and yeah, do we, do we have some creepy people in this? Uh, yeah, sure. But, but right. like any industry, you have some of that. But most, most people are really, really nice people, uh, really not hurting anything, and, and doing, doing what they love and what they're passionate about. And um, um, I, I wish that, that more academics, and I have academic friends that I think highly of, but I, I wish we would all kind of get over ourselves and just um, be a little all-inclusive. You know, right. there's a lot of good people out there. You know, one of the brightest people I've ever met in my life it, it certainly is not a formal academic, but Louis Porras is a great friend. And, you know, I would put Louis Porras up against uh, any academic that, that I've met, and I've met a lot of them, you know, as far as a knowledge base and experience. Um, and, you know, some of that, not only herpetology, but some of that came from herpetoculture. So, you know, I'm just saying if we could all relax a little bit, you know, and, and, and for God's sake, the herp community, come on, let's leave politics out. Let's, let's let's look at pretty snakes, you know, and let's just try to get (laughs) along. Lily, 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 human kindness here. You know, let's, let's be nice. 
Let's talk about a Tremeris purple immaculatus and, and not all the rest of it. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I, I always yeah. found that the one thing that sort of, you know, we do this uh, event called Carpet Fest, and it's sort of like, uh, it's, it's, it's basically, a, I call it a, a snake nerd barbecue thing, right? And they've sort of popped up all over the U.S. Or around, but like, you know, the, the whole thing was is that you have so many different people from so many different backgrounds and probably don't agree on most things in life. But yet here's this one thing that we're sort of all united on. Right. And we can sort of like, you know, you're like, oh, that guy's not such a bad guy or that she's not such a bad girl. Uh, you know, I, because you find that connection with them, you know, and then you can sort of be more. What's the word? Tolerant, I guess, of each other's, you know. Oh, well, sure. Sure. It, it's, it's great. It teaches us a lot about the human kind. I think, you know, we, all of us are very, very quick to judge, and that's a fault of mine. But, you know, if, if you are brought together by something that's out there in nature, and you're looking at scales and color and, and, and you know, the wonder of all of this stuff, and somebody else appreciates that, it's a definite connection. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if, if you... If you well, there's certain things I don't tolerate, but I, but for the well, most sure. part, yeah, <laughs> we, 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 we we all yeah, have our I limits, mean, right? <laughs> yeah, we do, we do, and I definitely do too. But right. I'm, I'm an old guy, and yeah, there's I, I you know I believe in human kindness and doing the right thing. Um, but you know that being said, there's so much good and th- that's out there, and look, we can all agree to just. Uh, you know, we can disagree. One person's opinion, even in herpetoculture and herpetology, sure. is, is no more or no less important than yours. And so we need to be good listeners. Um, we, we need to share our knowledge and, and kind of be nice. And, and, you know, how about complimenting people? And, and, and how about doing the right thing? You know, I walk around these shows. One of my favorite things to do now is because I'm older and, you know, I personally don't give a shit sometimes what people think when I'm, uh, when I think I'm trying to help them out and tell them the right thing. And right. you, know, you walk around the show and, and you walk up and you say, Hey Bob or Ed, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't met you yet. And you meet them and you say, Hey, how was the show? And you go, well, oh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, not very good. And, and I'll look at them and I'll say, well, you know, uh, let me tell you something. If, if you would get up from that chair and stand up, and talk to people. Oh, yes. Be nice. That's my pet peeve. <laughs> and yeah. don't don't act like don't act like you're an authority on on what you have in front of you because trust me you're not. You know yeah. uh, you you know something and you're able to breed something and that's all good. Be nice because there was a time when you didn't know a thing. Right. And and when people miss ID something a king snake or a corn snake who cares? Be nice. Right. And you know what? Give that kid down there a free snake. He'll come back to you. Yeah. And I have a story that happened to me um, a few years ago. So 15, 20, I had 20, 25 years ago, maybe. Um, uh, there, there was a father and a kid and they were in, they were looking at corn snakes and I had some mocha tea corn snakes and, and the kid really wanted a pair and his dad wasn't so sure about this and didn't, didn't really want to spend the money. And, and, you know, I gave him a pair of corn snakes. I said, well, here, you know, enjoy them, have them. Uh, never thought anything about it. You, you never go home and say, gosh, man, I, am I going to miss that synthetic? 
$70 that I created the price for, whatever. Right. Right. And, and, and you forget about it. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward about 25 years, few years ago, um, we were in Daytona, and, and, I, and I look over at the doors, and this very tall guy, about six, seven, you know, and standing out. And I looked at London, I said, man, look how tall this guy is. And you're way across the hall, and he's walking. And I said, oh, my gosh, he's coming over here. And he walked up to the table. And he said, Mr. Trumbauer, you don't remember me. And I said, gosh, I know I don't. What's your name? And he introduced me. And he said, look, I was in Orlando visiting my parents. And I saw the show was today. And I just want to come over here and tell you that you gave me a couple of corn snakes um, years ago. And I just finished my Ph.D. in herpetology. And I got a professorship up north. Nice. And I'm heading up that way. And I just wanted to thank you. Turn around and left and brought me to tears. Wow. And you know what? It's not anything it's not anything special that I did. So for anybody out there listening, and I, I you know, I Dennis McNamara was a kid when I met him and he's a good friend and, and I, I tell all these guys, I said, be a nice guy. Give something to a kid, you know, let let his brain grow. Get him into something besides all the bad, you know, shit that's out there. Sure. You know, let him let him get smarted in something. And if we would all do that, you know, it, 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 it would come full circle. Trust me, you're a nice guy. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you're marketing, uh, you know, a few snakes or refrigerators. You know, if you're a nice guy, people are going to come back. Right. And, you know, if somebody, if somebody walks in a parking lot and a snake dies, and, and you know, unless it's one of these $10,000 snakes, <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, and it dies and they come back in and they say, hey, gosh, and, and you want to say, well, you know what? You can't go out there and put it in your hot car, you know. Just be nice about it and give another snake. And you know what? They'll come back and they'll they'll come back to you every time, right. every year. Yeah. So I, I just I want to see more of that out there, and I, and I want to see academics just uh, get over themselves a little bit. I have great respect for them, and I'm certainly no you know academic. I've read a lot, but you know I'm I'm not an academic, but. And, and most guys are just really so good. We learn so much from them. But let, let's get over the attitude. Let's let's be inclusive for all of us. You know, let's help each other out here. And uh, and herpetoculture is certainly advanced herpetology. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you kind of hit on it earlier, Craig. But uh, I know that what you've been to every one of the Orlando slash Daytona shows, right? I have. I have. Uh, we, we went to that first one that was at a, uh, it was in Orlando. It was at a, um, Howard Johnson's and, uh, my good friends, Dave and Tracy were going, he was speaking and I, you know, I had no idea. I mean, I knew these swap meets, but I had to wrap my head around the fact that said, so, so we have tables and we have, what, what do we, what do you put these snakes in? And people said, well, deli cups. You know, and I went, oh, the deli. Oh, and yeah, yeah, deli cups. And, uh, you know, I had no idea. So I went to that show, and I, I'm the first guy to produce um, captive-produced albino bull snakes uh, from the Abilene Zoo wild animal. I think Heckert had the first one there, and I was a year ahead of them, along with Mark Bell. And, you know, went to this show, and had seven baby albino bull snakes and kids knocking at the door of college. And I had no idea what to charge for them. And I was so 
I'd put this absurd price of $1,000 on them. And some, some biology teacher from Texas walked in. He goes, oh, there they are. He goes, I'll take them off. And just started oh tossing $100 bills on the table. And I, I was flabbergasted. And, and Linda went from, like, thinking, how long are we going to be in here? And, you know, and, and wasn't so sure to jumping up with a big smile on her face. And she said, I'll write the receipt. And, uh, and, and then had a little fanny pack thing on her for the rest of the shows until the kids were out of school, you know, and yeah. trying to get five bucks out of that pack for a ham sandwich. You couldn't do it. It was all money. <laughs> so, so, you know, that, that show, it just kind of started it. Uh, it was amazing to me that, that, that there was even this market, you know, like there was, and, um, um, and there was, and so uh, you know, you you watch this thing evolve across the country, and uh, you know, there's some bad stories out there about some of this stuff, but most of it's pretty good stuff. And uh, I'm like Bern Bechtel. Uh, I'm I, you know, I just I love to walk around the show. I just love to look at stuff. I love to ask people, you know, about stuff. And and I and I always rate the coolest thing in the show. I think we all do that. Now people are taking pics of, you know, the coolest thing they saw on the show. And for me, it's kind of out of the box. I was, six, seven years ago, I was in the show and went to this table. And it's one table, and there's a kid about 25, as a student. And I went, wow. The whole table of keeled green snakes. I, they're called rough green snakes now, but, you know, I'm a yeah. so keeled green snakes. And I said, just a great snake. Just a tremendous snake. And I said, that's all you have. I said, that's just amazing. <laughs> and he had hatchlings and he had, you know, things he's raised. And right. he goes, yeah, that's it. And they were <laughs> really cheap. He said, well, you know, I let a lot of them go. But he said, I just enjoy coming here. And I went back to the table and Linda said, well, what did you see? And I went, I know what I'm getting. <laughs> and she said, what? <laughs> I said, man, a, a couple hatchling uh, killed green snakes. And she goes, he goes, great, great, great. We're going to be looking for caterpillars and, you know, crickets. And, um, it just, you know, and you, what's wrong with that? It's just so cool. Yeah. And somebody appreciates it, you know. And um, um, so, you know, the industry's done a lot of good. I, when I grew up, everybody hated snakes and killed snakes and stuff, and, and not so much now. You know, and a lot of that's just been brought to the forefront by, uh, you know, by herpetoculture and, and herpetology. So, yeah, we were just talking. Yeah, the shows. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to no, say, no, we were just ahead. talking last week about how, um, you know, it seems that more and more people are keeping snakes as as a pet instead of, uh, you know, a dog or a cat or a bird or a fish or something like that. They, they've sort of, you know, elevated to that sure. level to where, you know, and, and you think about it. I mean, they are kind of super easy when it comes to, uh, you know. Well. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, my grandkids have snakes, and, and it teaches them responsibility, you know, and yet they can leave for a week, you right. know, and come back home. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I mean, pretty easy. And, and I would have to say, you know, with going in pet stores and things today, I mean, everybody has a snake in there, but it's, it's, it's uh, probably one of the more now considered almost a traditional pet, you know, right. a lizard, a snake, a cat or a dog or something, or a bird. Right. And, um, and, you know, there's so much controversy with keeping anything, and there's degrees, and, 
you know, some people don't want you to keep anything and a dog and other people don't want you to keep a ball python. And, you know, and it, here again, we just, uh, everybody needs to take a deep breath and short of people not taking care of animals or, or doing something harmful to animals or something. Right. Um, I, I think it's probably pretty, pretty good because it gets us in touch with this planet and, and, uh, and some issues that, uh, we, we really need to face and very soon and very seriously. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Rob, did you have any? Yeah, I Are guess you guys just heading the... out to West Texas. You, you guys heading out to West Texas? One couple yeah. of weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I, I think we talked a little earlier. Um, I, I'm going back out in a month. I mean, Gary Kiesler, um, you're really good good friend of mine and uh, our wives are good friends and um we're, we're gonna just run around a little bit out there and have a good time but uh what a magical place you know so uh i can't um, wait have you, have you guys been out there before no 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 it's first for both of us yeah 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 well uh, look look you've got high desert low desert sky mountains it's a little overwhelming at first uh, you know, and uh, I think we, I think we, did we talk earlier about uh, Sanderson or something? You and I did. This is Rob. You and I did a little bit. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you'll get terms thrown out to you. It, it's, it's, <laughs> you go out the first time, it's just overwhelming. You just, you look at right. this massive area of, of desert, you know, and <laughs> you usually go out with somebody, you look at each other and you go, what? <laughs> you know, I, I have no idea. And when I went out there, listen, uh, when I went out there, we drove past the cuts uh, <laughs> to the flatlands. We, we had no idea. Right. Uh, there, there was no inform- information. There, there was a Blair's king snake um, and Davis Mountain king snake with seven known specimens that I was interested in. Um, and uh, Denny Miller's paper hadn't even been put out yet. His master's thesis is what really started the alternate thing out there because he he actually, in that thesis, had some areas where he collected some things. And it right. kind of started that, things. Yeah, one one thing that is super cool or that I, you know, is, I was telling Eric um, is really interesting is, and presumably it's because of the limited access to spots, but the, I do like that the alternative folks, generally speaking, and maybe that entire area tends to be pretty straightforward with where people are actually finding stuff because there's so much of it is private land that it's really limited access to stuff. So the species themselves are probably not really at risk just because I know that I should go to this cut three miles west of Standerson or whatever it might be, right? I, you can tell me that because that's... Uh, less than a percent of their range or whatever. So you're not really worried about that. Whereas a lot of other, Eric and I just went and found a timber up in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania and people are so uh, hesitant to give any information. What's you kind of hear things where it's like, they'll, you know, uh, claim to get, or they'll give you a County or something like that. And it's, I understand the impetus to protect spots and this sort of stuff. If you're concerned about the snakes, I also, it, to me, it's a little tied up into ego, you know, with people wanting to be like, Oh, I found it and you didn't find it, that sort of thing. So 
as I say, long-winded version of saying I'm actually appreciative of West Texas and the alternative folks being being uh, specific and uh, f- relatively forthright about where they're finding stuff compared to other areas and snakes. Oh, ab- absolutely, and 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 you know, and and they are. Um, and, uh, you know, the ego thing is interesting. You brought that up. It's just a huge thing in our industry, of course, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. And, 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 you know, when you write books like I wrote, you know, uh, you get criticized. But, uh, you know, Carl Caulfield was criticized as well, you know, with talking about OKT. And people say, well, look what happened. And um, I think more good, you know, came out of those books than harm for sure. And uh, uh, the alterna thing, look, look it, it's really cool because most guys are very locality specific and they want it on the, the, the five mile cut west of Sanderson or, or they don't want it, you know, to pair up something or the nine mile cut north. And it's very specific. Uh, and at least it gets you started and gets you, you know, in touch with things. But there's a lot more than the alterna trail out there. You know, I was kind of a rattlesnake guy, so I really wasn't, you know, um, um, you know, chase an alternate, but, you know, maybe it's a, a pathetic excuse because you would think there's so many years that I spent out there that I would have tripped over more of them, you know, and I would have handled <laughs> the compliment. You know, the only guy worse than me is Dave Barker, you know, he's found fewer. So, you know, between, between us, we're ancient and, and, you know, but my, the directions went in other places. There's so many, so many great places out there. And even though that, West Texas is not New Mexico, where most of that land is federal land. In Texas, it's private land, and you're very limited as to where you can collect. And right. um, uh, I'm I'm excited. We're going on to some private land. We shut the gate behind us, and and a friend of mine who is a ranch manager has found two 2.2 all turn up in the Glass Mountains, which is very hard to access. I found one up on, you know, 385 in, in a well-known cut. It's the only major cut that you know, uh, that it's transected. Glass Mountains have very poor access, you know, to the public. So, um, but uh, there's just so many, so many great, great roads and great places to go. And, and, you know, a lot of it's not secret. I mean, I I can tell you right off the bat that if you're out there, and this is for all people, if you go to Marfa and you take – uh, all the roads out there are RM or FM, uh, farm to market or ranch to market roads before the number. But 2810 runs south out of Marfa. If you drive west and go through Marfa, as you're coming out of the town, you'll see a turn for 2810. It goes 31 miles down on pavement through um, high prairie and then eventually some low prairie. Um, and then the pavement stops and it becomes a dirt road. And then you come to like a gate and you think you're going into private land, but all of that is, is, is public access road all the way down to river road. And, um, there's another 15, 16 miles, but I, well, I'd encourage people to just to drive that if for no other reason to see how spectacular and wild West Texas still is. And, you know, great, great, great herping road. And, you know, you, you can find a lot of things. And it's a great daytime road. I'm not real thrilled about it at nighttime. But just a, just a, a great road and a great place. I have so many fond memories of that road. And, um, um, and there, for, for that story, there's, you know, 50 other stories of great roads and places to go. So um, 
uh, you know, I was so impressed that that I wound up out there. I retired and we bought a uh, an old Adobe and rebuilt it and everything. And and I said in my book, you know, I'll never leave. And uh, but I didn't have any grandkids. <laughs> right, you that know. was the one unaccounted for factor. Huh? Right. Well, look, look, I don't have to educate them. I love them, you know, and I can do whatever I want with them and send them home. So it's, it's <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, and there, there, there is, there is more. I mean, family certainly getting older, and I, I had a couple of health concerns, fought a little bit of cancer, and had a major heart attack. Actually, with with good cholesterol numbers and a good heart and everything, just something out of the blue that I wouldn't have survived if I'd been out West Texas. So, so maybe it's a good thing, you know, we're yeah. too far to get to, to medical help and stuff, but. Um, you know, my heart's out there. I, I don't compare the two. Um, I'm very happy where where I am, and you know, it's it's very pretty pretty where we are. And I always find, you know, there's there's tons of places for me for me to go here as well. And I'm a Florida kid anyway. So, right. but but it's a, spe- a special place. I'm excited that uh, you two are going out there, and uh, you'll make your own memories and dreams. And um, you know, happy later on to give you some some specific pointers if you want them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's yeah. always interesting. You know, one kind of general concept or discussion out for specific to the area would be do you find um road ver- or uh, I should say pavement versus dirt to either produce different things or be better at different times of year or or just not work. I know here in Colorado there's a specific road that it's like they're very, you know, you go as you're talking about transitioning from pavement to dirt and it's like I only ever see prairie rattlesnakes on the dirt. I don't see anything else and then as soon as you get on the pavement I no longer see prairie rattlesnakes and I'll see milk snakes and hognose and stuff like that. And it's just very interesting that in this it's 2 miles apart, right? But that different texture is doing different things. And I only see this here and something else, the other spots. Yeah, you know, there's definitely patterns like that. Um, you know, just some, some general knowledge. You know, people go out and they go, well, you got to go up to Fort Davis. It's 5,000 feet up. It's, you know, great, great history of herpetology in the Davis Mountains and stuff. And, you know, alternative guys go out at the end of May and beginning of June, and then they go up the Davis Mountains. But the Davis Mountains, you really, for, for looking you know, for snakes really doesn't get good until July and August, you know, because you're, because of the elevation. And, right. and when you go down to like Black Gap and the low desert, you know, you can go down there in June and, and it's, it's so damn hot that, you know, you, it, it's one of the most beautiful roads in, in the world. And, and you have to drive down that road and it's just so exciting. It's narrow and kind of grown out on the pavement. You just know <laughs> you're going to find stuff. You're just so excited. And, and I don't know how many times Linda and I would go down there, we'd pull in and go, wow, look at that sunset. We love the gap. And then yeah. as we were leaving, we would say, we hate the gap. <laughs> you know, because it, it, can, it can kick your ass, you know. And then, and then you know, I mean, I lived in Marathon. A lot of reptile people stopped by and stuff. And, and they said, hey, were you out on the gap last night? And I said, yeah, yeah, we, we left about one. And didn't see, I saw some hypsoglane and a few things. And, but, you know, we're happy to be out there. Right. You know, some kids say, well, man, I got two milk snakes. And I, and I go, wow, what time? And they go, oh, well, 3.30 or 4. You know, that first-time enthusiasm. But it finally cooled off enough where things started to move. And so 
you, you kind of have to know what's hot, when and where, and, and what roads are producing certain, you know, certain animals. Um, certain areas for Mexican hognose snakes that, that you will find them if you do the right thing uh, and follow instructions. And I, I, I learned that with Alterna when I caught my first Alterna from, you know, some of the ancient guys. Don Duncan was a border patrol that was famous out there and took me under his wing after uh, Earl Turner and a few people sent me on a wild goose chase to get me out of the blanket. <laughs> Yeah, I was in a Volkswagen down on Pandale Dirt Road, and they were camped out down by the creek down there. And they said, what are you doing down here? I said, well, I'm, I'm looking for these Blair's king snakes. And they go, oh, no one find them here. you got to get out there. <laughs> Pandale paved road, 50 mile, 52 miles to, you know, Pandale. And it's this big, flat, paved road to the desert. And hell, I didn't know. You know, <laughs> I had that thing for three days. And finally met Don Duncan, and he laughed, and he said, no, nah, no. Nah, he said, let me help you out. And we got in this 52 Chevy pickup and uh, took me out and kind of took me under his wing. It was a great guy and um, educated his kids by um, catching Blair's king snakes along with the Chamberlains out there that owned the old gas station in Langtree. And you'd pull in and they'd have a Chase and Sanborn instant coffee jar uh, with, with, with an old beer can opener thing, you know, and the yeah. holes pushed down the sharp edge, and there'd be a little blares in there, you know. Oh my and, gosh. Um, and then there'd be $65, and, you know, $65 and 72 right. 73 yeah. I mean, I, I, I went out there collecting with only enough gas money in my 63 Chevy pickup to get out there, knowing that I would collect some things and somebody would buy them on the road and I could get back home. Ooh, that's scary. You know, so, 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 you know, 65 bucks, man, you know, and, and we would look. And then um, Don showed me his own collection, and it was the first light face. And, and there weren't, weren't any pictures of a light face. No, nobody saw a light face. There were four or five pictures published of a Blair's King Snake. And it was, there was the one in 48 or 49 and, 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 and a few others. Um, you know, and they were, they were dark days. Uh, and I, I, I looked at Don, I said, man, what, what is that? And he said, well, that's one of the light blares. I went, light? What are you talking about? <laughs> the thing I'd ever seen. You know, and he said, well, here's a real trophy. He pulls out an annulata. And I go, yeah, 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 but what about this? He goes, no, this is the, you know, and for him, sure. you know, hunting out there, that was his thing. So, uh, but I, I couldn't get that, that you know, white face all turned out of my head and then you know from there stuff started showing up out west and then you get specific and you want triple all triple alternates and uh, certain specs and you know i love the davis mountain animals they're not the prettiest but they're really complicated and cool looking and if anything should ever be subspecific in alterna land and i'll get beat up for saying this but uh uh, it, it could be, it could go back to the Davis Mountain King Snake. The head's a little pronated, shorter. Uh, it just looks a little different to me. They're the same snake, but, but you know, just uh, um, love the snakes up there. Not, not, not that I've, you know, found any um, in the Davis Mountains. <laughs> so I, I have to admit, it, and it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, I write the books and people come up to me and, and, and I'm an instant authority, you know, on finding uh -huh. the uh -huh. I have to look at them, and I, I go, hey, well, let me tell you, I am not, not the guy. I can tell you where to find them and how to find them, but 
you know, uh, I'm not the guy. I can give you 10 names of people that have caught over 100. And, you yeah. know, I just rarely, rarely happen to them. So, you know, most people have collected with me say, well, I talk so damn much, I never say anything. And, uh, I was with a photographer, T.J. Hilliard, New Mexico, and, and telling one of my stories, because I'm a storyteller, and when you're not an academic, you tell stories. And I'm telling a story, and T.J. said, hey, 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 and I went, what? He said, did you see that? And I went, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I straddled a five-foot um, Athenis uh-huh. uh, Sonoran Gopher, a five-foot. Right. And he said, seriously, Craig. And, and I stopped, and we turned around, and I said, how did I not, it's, it's so long, how did I not run over it, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, so, so, so case in point, you know. So for 100%. those of you out there that listen to this who think I'm some great collector because I've written a couple of books, uh, I, I am not. I'm, I'm of a lot of you. I, I have some really great stories, but when you're 72, you dump the hundred stories that you don't find anything, and you tell your good stories, you know. Right. No, that's that's great. I know personally to me, my favorite alternate are the kind of those south around Alpine, south of Alpine, the the brown that then have that orange wash over them. Those are my favorite alternate. Yeah, there's a big hill down there, not to be confused with the big hill uh, down the river road, about five five miles south of Alpine. Um, There's there's kind of a short mountain up there. You you have to climb and stuff. And and, uh, um, Doug Beckwith has had really good luck out there west of Alpine and he lives out there caught some incredible animals a very very cool snake and the ones west of Alpine are, are also extremely extremely cool so yeah that, that's really the thing you know all these little insular populations they're they're really islands separated by desert and so there's no genetic diversity and these patterns and things get isolated Okay. Um, and then even further, the Christmas Mountains, I mean, my thought there is that it's so small, um, the population is really cool looking. But the thing is, when you catch those animals and you breed them, uh, you know, very few people get a decent-sized clutch of Christmas uh, um, uh, eggs. You know, people get three or four, and maybe they're not good. And uh, kind of my thought there is that it's so small, it really needs some, there's no... You know, it's too tight. Yeah. You know, there's been just actually inbreeding, you know, over a period of time. And and so it's maybe it's a weak population. I don't know. I'll probably get beat up by some of the academics. (laughs) You know what? It's it's 72. I'm entitled to my opinion. That's right. And I've been out there. I've been out there as, as much as anybody. So so let me let me have my day and thoughts on it. You know, so it makes sense to me. So 100 percent. Yep. And then in terms of, I know you're, you're going a couple weeks after us, what, uh, and it's sort of presented. And as you and I had talked about this, it's maybe presented in the alternate context of saying, you know, you go late May through June or into July or something. And I know you've said, well, different places makes different things or whatever. What, what are, what do you think, What's it a good time for with us going and then when you're going two weeks later? What what to you does mid to late September mean usually? Well, you know, I, I like to see it all. I mean, if I'm just an alternate collector and, and, and you know, have a, a marvelous collection of locality-specific alternatives, you know, I get that. But, you know, I want to see it all. And so September into late September – 
you know, any of September is good. You, know, you start getting into, you know, the first part of October and late September, it does cool down at night and stuff. Right. But uh, I love to see, you know, all the new baby stuff out on the road, you know, all the little stuff. And whether it's, you know, baby Western Diamondbacks or, you know, you can hit a night and you get out there and see 30 baby Western Diamondbacks and it's just a stitch. You know, you get out <laughs> you have a flashlight and you look up ahead of you and you go, what's that? And you run up there and there's another one. And then you run up another 100 yards and pretty soon your car has disappeared. You can't even see it because there's <laughs> stuff on the road. And, and, you know, you can hit nights like that. Or, or, you know, baby a fitness movie and stuff. Right. So I'd love to see that. I, I just, uh, for me, uh, you know, I want to see stuff. And um, so I, I like that time of year a lot. And uh, um, certainly, you know, there's that fall movement uh, of, with Alterna as well. You know, maybe not quite like, you know, the end of May and, and, and beginning of June, but certainly, um, certainly there's movement and you can find stuff. Uh, I just, I like that time of year better out there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I, it's one of those things where, um, you know, Eric and I are big believers in sort of working towards new moons or the last quarter through the first quarter, these sorts of things. And I mean, you do it when you're there, right. But if you have the choice to, to kind of make, to try and set yourself up for success, you, you try and do that. But simultaneously, right. I think sometimes people are too narrow minded. You know, you can, there are certain things that, ah, yeah, this, this helps, but sometimes it's just the optimism of the, the naive, right. That, uh, okay. that can actually be successful. Yeah. Well, I, of course, I have a story on that, too. I have a story on everything. But, um, you know, um, the, the, the moon's important. There's no doubt, you know, the face and everything else. But that being said, you know, I hadn't found my first alternate. And I was in Del Rio. And, you know, um, you know, I, Linda said, well, what time are we going out? And I said, well, we're not going out. It's a full moon. I'm, I'm not going to waste the time. And she beat me up. She said, you know, we drove all the way out here with four kids, you know, in the back of our Suzu Trooper. And, and we're out here. And she goes, who cares about the moon? It's like fishing. You, you, you're not going to catch anything sitting in a hotel room. And I said, okay, you're right. And we went out in full moon. And long story short, I found my first alternate crossing the road. And, um, <laughs> You know, it's yeah, it's important. But, you know, people who collect, we're, we're, we're full of the same excuses. And the excuses start with the moon. They go, ah, the moon's not right. We're not seeing anything. Or, you know, you say, ah, temperature, man, it's 68. Nothing's moving. Not going to move. That's still too hot. Man, you know, it, it rained. The pavement's still damp. Not going to see anything. We we have all those that arsenal of excuses built into our purpose right. brain of why we don't see things but look i'm i'm here to tell you you know there's certainly patterns of when you see things and humidity and moisture in that but there's you know there's a lot of stuff out there on nights when nobody goes out and uh, i can give you hundreds of stories uh, of that and um but, you know louis louis porus uh, looking for I always say deck color, but I'm so older, the con color, midget faded rattlesnakes. At one time, I think they were, I think they were in Wyoming, in Utah, might have been Wyoming. Um, and they were out at night, it was 38, 39 degrees, and they had coats on. And they, they found uh, kind of high elevation, they found three con color crawling. Oh, man. So, so wow. it's just, a, 
Well, absurd, absurd, and people may not believe that, but that's a fact. Right. It's just, it, you know, it, it, I'm just saying, if you drive all the way out there, you know, um, don't beat yourself up with excuses. I, and, and sometimes it's luck of the draw. I used to hunt with a guy from the Brookfield Zoo out there, and we were out on Boy Scout Road years ago in the 70s, and, and we, we would meet at the lower ranch about halfway. It's about a 10-mile road. By the way, you have, to, you have to do that road. It's just spectacular. And, yeah, I was planning um, on it. That, I'm glad to hear it. Okay. Yeah, icon, iconic road. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, um, uh, there was a guy from Philadelphia Zoo, I think it was 68, 69, went out there. Uh, he found everything to be found, and, and I have two on that road except Alterna. And he, the first night as he pulled in, wasn't too far down the road, he clipped the nose of an Alterna and, uh, with his car. But never yeah. found another one, 60, 65 nights of, you know, of collecting. Uh, Tracy Barker goes out there with David, and they get out and they walk. And, you know, you know David's as bad a collector as I am, and I love it. Uh, I love I love to tell him I but you know because nobody else is he's he's well respected but uh, just n- not good and I met him on Boy Scout Road back in the early seventies before Tracy days and Tracy gets out and walks and she goes oh David here's one and <laughs> fifteen minutes and coming out of a fissure of some catwalk is this you know great Davis Mountain snake so you know true story so so you never know. You know, you, you just never know. I, I did the road to Kent, took two guests out, and we found 37 snakes. We, we didn't find Alterna. We found everything. We found Leps. We found uh, Sabacularis. We found lots of really cool things. And of course, we didn't take them all. Um, I think I think one of the guys, you know, took a pair of something. But um, And then I repeated that trip five days later with a new guest. Uh-huh. And really, the condition, conditions were almost identical, and we found one dead aphos. So okay. the same road, same time, same thing. So some of us luck of the draw. But this right. guy from Brookfield, we used to we we would crisscross that road. And one night, you know, he goes up to the canyon, and I go back out to the highway, and they would come back and we'd meet, and we'd have a cup of coffee. And um, I that night, you know, um, I saw. I, I want to. I, I don't know. I, I saw quite a few snakes on the road, and and Tony saw none. And it was it was the same night. It just kind right. of luck of the draw. Sometimes, sometimes you just have to, you know, catch it crossing the road. You know, so uh, you know the story. There is that. Yeah, certainly there's better times to go, better times to see things. But you know, the the people that are truly great at finding things and stuff. Um, just they're relentless. They go out and they go out at different times and find different things. And, you know, um, so, you know, that's my advice to people, you know, don't, don't, don't listen to everybody's advice. Just, you're already out there, get out there, you know? Right. hundred percent do now in terms of, um, the road cruising stuff. Cause I know the, what the laws changed just over 20 years ago. Is that, is that right? Timeframe wise? In terms of you got to wear the reflective vest well, and hunting license, and I guess my my big yeah, question, and then feel free to take well, it where where you want, is the the road cruising thing. So if we're driving along and we see a snake and we pull over, 
we can pull that snake off the road for its own safety or whatever without huge problems. Is that correct? You cannot, you cannot legally touch that snake. (laughs) Right. That's, that's where, yeah, that's where we're getting at, you know? Right. So you could run it over legally, but you can't. Well, look, 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 uh, you know, um, I mean, I, I, I think you get 10 feet off the road and just sit around and wait. You know, eventually, wait for it to come over. I like it. Okay. You know, and look, it's most of those guys out there are really nice. We we need a lot of fishing game people, and most of them are nice. But you know, there's some assholes like anywhere, and 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 you know, some of them just have this hard on for hurt people, and uh, and you know, um, snake days and some of the events out there tried to make amends and 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 couple with fishing game and, and it's, it's actually, it's worked some. So um, for the most part, look, go online, you get your, you get your license with the reptile stand. Yep. And that allows yep, So we did that. And you, you need to wear a, um, you need to wear a vest that's a reflector and they, they'll tell you, you know, what kind and, and how much reflective stuff. I mean, there's actually been a couple of guys that were measuring the amount and all that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> But, but that's, you know, that's really rare. Sure. I mean, you know, mo- most of them, look, my, my son's a captain in law enforcement, and, and uh, look, I get it. They, you, they don't make the laws. They're there to enforce things. And so they'll pull off, and most of them are very polite, and they want to see your license, and they, you know, ask you, you know, what have you seen? And you go, yeah, well, you know, this and that. And if you're walking a cut, you're per- that's perfectly legal. You know, you'll see a lot of people out there shining cuts from their car because it's isolated in south in the middle of nowhere. But right. I'll tell you, yeah. there are a lot of fish and game people on Border Patrol that sit up high and look for lights because, you know, the other issue are people coming, you know, across the border and 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 they're out there and there's 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 big drug traffic, too, and drop offs and pickups. And so there's five agencies out there at nighttime all over that desert that, that, that wow. watch and you know, and look for things. And so, you know, people come out of nowhere and you go, wow, where'd you come from? <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of thing. And so, um, I, you know, if you do the right thing, you can still have a really good time. Now, right. you know, that being said, um, and, and saying publicly, I'm climbing out in the middle of nowhere, something's crossing the road and, um, I think I know what is truly endangered out there and what isn't. Um, yeah, you know, I'd probably scoop it off the road if, if I wanted it and, um, and wouldn't feel too bad. Uh, look, in the 70s, they, they protected a number of species in Texas. They came up with this list that was just ridiculous. They, they protected Splendida and left off <laughs> Trimorphodon Dolphinsoni, which was an extremely rare snake back then. Uh, they're not rare, but just rarely found. And, uh-huh. and you know, and uh, it's just puzzling to me. And and so, uh, to Florida State University, I I got a permit for for two lepidus doing the rattlesnake thing and stuff, and went back out there. Anyway, I didn't get that permit. I applied for it, and they denied. It. And that was with Florida State University. Wow. You know, their good graces and things. I wasn't a student, but I knew people there from there. I graduated from another college and. And, and it was denied. And, you know, and uh, I won't name his name, but I saw a very famous collector out there that year with a van scooping everything from left to okay. high flops to everything off into the van. And the, the damn guy had a permit that he got. 
And I go, how'd That's you get crazy. that? I'm not that. You know, and I want a two of something for scientific, you know, reasons. And I kind of lost respect, you know, and it didn't make any, any rhyme or reason. And, of course, you know, they corrected a lot of that. And they, they've actually just changed things. They're, they've taken some things off the list, which is good. And then they, they're, they are doing better at protecting the right things. You know, the Brazos River and Concho River water snake, which now is maybe the same or something. Those right. are very isolated areas and should be protected. And and all of us out there should be cognizant of that. You know, there are, there are certain animals that certainly, you know, just let them be. You find a big indigo on the floor. Read my chapter on indigos, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> you want a big cage trasher. Look, there is no way. You know, to, to keep a pretty cage. And I'm pretty finicky about the way I keep things and stuff. You know, just, you know, let, you know, let them be. And, and most right. people are really good about a lot of that. And just take the things that you want personally or something and, and you know, we'd be okay. So um, it's very doable out there. But the thing is, a lot of times, too, you know, you have flashlights and, and people who are making their way through the desert you know, that have come across the, the border, have flashlights, and flashlights show up out there for miles and miles and miles. And so, you know, you can get stopped three or four times a night by Border Patrol. And they're nice. They're, they're nice. They're aware of collectors. But, you know, I lived right in Marathon, and we would wait for the right conditions sometimes and just make them run up to 85 and stuff. And, and I knew all those people, but still... You don't know until they stop you. And they go, oh, hey, Craig, you know, and go, hi. And I'd look at Linda sometimes and go, this is the fourth stop, you know. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so uh, it's all doable. That shouldn't scare you off. Just do the right things. You right. know, be nice and respect a lot there. You still see stuff. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a big place. If right. they wanted to get it right. They would exempt the tri tri county area out there. They, uh -huh. they would take you know Brewster and Jeff Davis County and Presidio County, and and allow you to to take something off the road because there's just isolated pavement anyway. So much private land, right. and and very very few snakes actually make it to the pavement, and some of those are run over, and 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 that would make everybody happy. You know, then everybody could get along a little better, but. You know, that, that hasn't happened, and, um, you know, a lot of politics in this stuff out there. But uh, still worth doing. Still, you know, I'm, I'm going out, going to have a good time, and, um, and hope you guys do as well. Um, well, it's, you know, as you said, and, you know, certainly kind of the, the theme of both books, right, is that you know, the fun is in the adventure and the stories and doing it with great friends and stuff like that. Oh. It's it's obviously gravy to, to find the awesome thing, whatever that might be. But, you know, that's that's really the whole endeavor. Oh, it really is. It, it, it really is. And, you know, the, the, the purpose of those books was, was really to get people on this planet I call snake tune, you know, in touch with themselves and their own stories and their old stories. And we all have them, you mm -hmm. know, and, and you read something and you say, Oh gosh, I you remember when, you know, Bob and I were out and, and, and uh, to me, there are so many just great, wonderful nights and stories. And, um, you know, 
adventure and and things to tell that that really don't even involve snakes, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's a short life, and and you, you know I would encourage people to get out there, take your kids out. Look, I, I my kids would would be just all over in the road looking for skunks and <laughs> any kind of animals we could find, and right. you know javelina and and. You know, every year I would tell them, I said, no, we're, we're not going to Disney World. We're going back to West Texas. And they would all go, oh, man. We were just the worst parents, you know. And then I would reward them by staying in a nice hotel in San Antonio on the way back. But, you know, we, we were out there kind of stuff. But now, you know, all of our kids say, you know, those were the best times we ever had. And, um, and, and, I, and I think so. So whether you're going out with a friend or with family or something else, um, it, it's special. It really is. It really is. And, and if it's not, then you really don't get it, you know? Yeah, it's almost like, um, for me, you know, one of the things that, like, as, as far as being a keeper, and I've, I've been able to sort of transfer this passion, if you will, into this part, but the, the thrill of the hunt, like the the... The, the experience before leading up to like seeing the snake is great, but like, you know, that, that excitement before you find it and you're like, Oh my God, we could just come over this hill or, you know, look in this little rock outcrop and, and there it's going to pop out. And that, that Christmas morning feeling, if you will, that, that happens when, when you come across, palpable, you know, palpable yeah. see that, to see that line in the road and which brings, brings to the point, a lot of people, I'll put false snakes out on the road. Uh, the, the famous one that works really well is taking stones and placing them about a half inch apart in, in kind of a curved snake look. And it's raised <laughs> just, just enough on the highway out there, that will get you every time. And you want to talk about being disappointed. You go three hours and don't see anything, and you see something, and, you know, it's just you jump out. and You're running down think, the road. Yeah. Oh, who did the artwork on my books and just a great alternate collector, a great naturalist and stuff. Um, when he was young, uh, we, we were hunting up um, uh, off 385, the big cut, and um, we hunted that for, we found one alternate, but we, we, we hunted forever. There's only been a few ever found up there, very rare snake. And he, he's a tremendous artist and he painted the most realistic Alterna. I have it still. It's on a pine root. Uh-huh. And uh, he laid that thing out. We, he was on one side of the highway. I was on the other walking the cuts. And he laid it out earlier. And, and, and you know, I dove off that cut. I got chunked up, cut up, beat up. You know, had this thing in my hands and cactus and asphalt. And, 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 and it, uh, the reality of, like, what, 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 and then it, hit me and oh, God. I ate that little shit all over those cuts and if I'd caught him I would have killed him <laughs> I didn't catch him you know I didn't catch him all I can do is hear him laugh on the back side of the cut right. he laughed so hard and I said I said I'm going to kill you I really am I'm going to kill you I'm gonna... and, um, oh, so you know I mean there's a lot of nonsense and but 90% of uh, the people that have been out there that have stories to tell, it just, uh, it's a wonderful experience. Uh, they've actually added 
to West Texas, not taken away. And um, um, I just, uh, it's, a, it's a magical place. It, it can beat you up. And it takes, you know, your, your first trip is always like, oh, I'm just starting to figure it out, but we got to go back. You right. know? But you'll yeah. go back. You'll go back. And, right. and it gets better each time. And, and hopefully, you know, um, when we finish all this, I can, I can help you, you know, give you a few little pointers on what to do and not to do when you're out there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, we we really appreciate it. I, I've looked my my sort of right. There's always I know whenever we're planning a trip or trying to figure it out, there's always the the question right whether you should try and go sample a broad variety of different things over the time that you have there, or if you focus in on one spot and really kind of do do justice to it, especially considering how fickle or variable things can be. But yeah. I think my and that, my thought was to be variable on this one. Yeah, and, that, and that's really a hard thing. Uh, the difference is going out there is that uh, it's such a vast area, the yeah. Trans-Pecos. It's huge. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, it, it's like going from one area to another is, is a journey. <laughs> yeah. So you can eat up a, a lot of time, you know, in a week or something, you know, just getting to one place to another place. So, but but sampling in the right places, and, and maybe I can help you, you know, places that I think are kind of a waste of time because there's so many other places that are better where you can experience it all. But you you get some flavor because the Davis Mountains is very different. Uh, the yeah. high desert, low desert, you know, very different. Um, the Chisos Mountains and the basin and down there are very different. And uh, but you 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 you've got to see it, you know. And then yeah. from there. You'll choose a favorite place. Uh, you'll say, man, I, that was great, but right. I want to go back there. You know, and then you start pinpointing things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always a great thing. And, yeah. You know, and um, it, pretty COVID-friendly out there. There's not, 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 not a lot, a lot of illness out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not a lot of people. And a yeah. little, little bit, uh, there's some ca- a few cases now fine, and, and things and um but you know you're wide open and uh, uh the crowd thing doesn't you know happen too much out there so um you know it's a pretty good place to go i think is that one of your favorite places in the u.s or do you have uh oh yeah absolutely yeah. i moved out there we 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 spent a life creating a life out there um based on you know a, a lifetime of going out there really uh, like my second home and it, it just it 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 gave me a sensibility uh, um it, it it put my head right you know it just was was so fresh and um it made life so worth living right uh, at different times in my life too you know it just was always a it was a friend to me and um and i think we kind of all had those places that that we really loved to go back and and you know that's just it and yeah. uh, it's not for everybody it, it really isn't you know I mean some people just don't get it and that's okay right you don't really want everyone to get it but um, yeah there's so much history out there and herpetology is just really cool and and you know I mean geology the mammals um, <clears throat> there's there's a lot out there to see. Have you found that like living, you know, just recently, this has sort of dawned on me. It's like, you know, I, I guess 
for me, it's always been about the exotics, you know, and like, I, I, obviously I love Australian pythons. That's sort of, sort of my wheelhouse, but you know, open. Yeah. What's, your, what's not the light, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But, um, you know, opening up your mind to, to say, okay, well, you know, I have this whole ecosystem right in my backyard. Um, have you found that living in that area, um, you, you had a better understanding of, of everything and, and how it all plays together? And, and, you know, even that just fascinates me about how nature just seems to work without, you know, it just works, oh, and, you know? I, oh, absolutely. I mean, it puts you in touch with so much besides the herpetology. Right. And it just, it, it, it really, I mean, for me, you know, I don't, I don't have enough life to do all the things that I want to do. I'm never bored. And, and there's so much out there. It, you know, if it wasn't snakes, it would be spiders. And if it wasn't spiders, it would be birds. And if it wasn't birds and, you know, and some people can do it all. They're pretty bright. I'm kind of limited and had to focus in on one thing, but right. really love it all. There's not enough life. So for those people who, you know, say, well, gosh, I need a hobby. I, I retired. I'm kind of bored. I, I just don't get that. <laughs> and, and, yeah, right? and, and, you know, if, if, if well, if, if, if herp guys that have a collection and look, you can, you can have a thousand drawers and look at a lot of cool stuff and take care of stuff. But, you know, and I love that, but for me, I want to get out there. I, I want to taste it, smell it, feel it, you know, look for it, talk about it. And, and you'd be surprised how much you learn in the process. And, and it spills over, uh, you know, West Texas spills over to Australia, right. you know, and sure. those things. I mean, and, and I love it all. I got a pair of baby anthill pythons in there, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that I love. I, you know, I don't have, I used to have Australian stuff and, you know, gosh, what's not to like. Right. Right. You know? <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah. yeah. And I have some very good, very good friends over there that you know lifetime herpetologists that have been over there that live over there and stuff so right um but you know it's it's not it's not one dimensional uh we we may have a a specific interest in something but but don't don't limit yourselves you know this this is a great country yeah i mean you you can go you can go to illinois and go on snake road and that's still a pretty cool place up there you can go up to pennsylvania new york and and, and see timbers um, that are that what a, what a marvelous thing to see you know in the wild and you can you can go to Utah and down in the southeast corner and see just a, a marvelous array of color variations of certain species and and it's just it's it's all good you know but you got to do it yeah you can't you can't just sit there you know and 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 take care of snakes I mean it it makes even even if you don't Look, there there's some corn snake people. I'm not picking on them, uh, uh, you know, and ball python people that that have never been out, never been collecting, don't want to go. Right. But I would encourage them to at least give it a try because somehow it 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 makes it's a better sensibility when you're working with the snakes that you have. Those so those true. snakes came out of the wild, right. you know, and we do our best to take care of them. Uh, it's not the wild, and that's a whole conversation that, you know, we could all have, but, um, it, it does really put you in touch with, with so much. And, uh, uh, man, I encourage people just, just get out there, just, just go do it, you know? And, um, I found that, 
you know, um, especially with, you know, again, with our trip to Australia, like, you know, uh, um, you know, having, you know, have all types of carpet pythons and just Australian pythons in general. And, 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 you know, you read in the book, uh, you know, oh, the, the temperature is this, the humidity is that it's, it looks like, you know, this and that, and you read of all these spots. And then when you're there and you're actually standing there and you can feel the heat and you can feel the humidity and you can, you know, it, it, it just gives, it, at least for me, it gave me a better sense of being a better keeper. Um, because now oh, I, oh, 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 look, 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 there is so much to learn. Yeah. Like, you you got to remember, herpetoculture is very, very young. Mm-hmm. And we just, so many people just, they think they have it in a box. You know, you breed cluberts at 18 months and it's 86 degrees and this is what you do and this is what you... Well, we may have gotten away with that. Right. And we may have pinpointed stuff, but there, there's so, so much more. Right. And there's so many microhabitats and so many things that you can learn by combining the two. Right. You know, and, and looking at things. I mean, an example years ago when I had Balinese, uh, uh Taylori, Cantils, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and we all know that in Kistranon, uh, they coddle. They have a little yellow green tip on their tail and they coddle and, it looks looks like a little insect or a worm, and and but but a lot of people don't know that the adults do too, and and the only reason I saw that is by looking through a cage, you know, keeping, and I go, wow, look at that man, those those two are coddling back there, you know, <laughs> right. um, to feed, and and so it didn't, doesn't sound like a big event, but it's one more piece of knowledge, sure, that you you put you put together. Um, Transtacus copperheads are a favorite of mine, and uh, um, a friend of mine. We, we were collecting Boy Scout area uh, road area, and we we had gone up to the second creek that passes over the road. And he was up there alone and got out of the car and was just shocked. There were there were, I mean, several dozen uh, coiled wow. transtacus copperheads all over his canyon. <laughs> And, and, and it was, you know, it's, it's certainly a, a, a sexual thing at that time and something going on. And, and, and canyon tree frogs, you know, were all over the place, too. And, and we went back there, gosh, a week or two later, and you couldn't find one. It's like, you know, usually you'll find one maybe crossing the road or finding a cut. Right. And short of, you know, Dr. Shewitt, um, when years ago I, we went up Go Cape Canyon back there and found three in the day. It's kind of a hard go, you know, but uh, I'll never forget that, you know, and I, and it's like, wow. And then I tied that in. I was hunting uh, over in the Apalachicola Forest, you know, years later, and every culvert I stopped at, you know, there there was a, uh, a you know, a cottonmouth coil uh, or three or four or five, and, and it, the numbers got up to 30 or 40. I go, wow, what is going on, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and kissed her down, right? And, right. you know, and a week mm-hmm. later, you couldn't find one. Right. I go, where, right. where did all these things go? It's not like they were little green foot snake, you know, <laughs> and you couldn't find them. And, and I said, oh, you know what, man? You know, kind of the same thing with the copperhead thing, I guess. You know, I don't know, you know, but, right. but all those little bits of information over your period, they, they help you in what you do. Right. And they make you realize the one thing to take away from this interview, you know, is, is that, uh, look, we learn a lot. We, we think we know a lot. We, we think we get the edge on carpet pythons and all this kind of stuff. But if you don't understand the fact that 
the more you know, really, the, 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 the less you know. Right. <laughs> you, you know, the more, the more you find out, you, you say, wow, I, I, I have so much to learn. Yes. Because uh, data doesn't go by. You know, looking in a box where I go, you know, I, I don't know if we have this right. Right. And, and, and that's the whole mystery. That's the thing, you know. You just want to suck it all in. Yeah. And you, you can't do that just standing in a room, you know, pulling, pulling boxes out and stuff. And not, not that there's anything wrong with that. But right. I'm just saying there's so, there's so much more out there. Yeah, you, you may find that maybe, you know, field herping is not your thing. But I, I can't imagine you being into reptiles and and going out and seeing that snake in the wild and not. Uh, oh, well, look, 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 when you, when you go to a show and you look in a cup, you know, or something, you go, man, that, that is beautiful. Right. It's never, never as beautiful is that first lepidus that you see on a cut in the wild. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 by, and by the way, all those snakes that, that, that I picked up at night and go, wow, wow, something going on here. This is a, a, this is a, a hypo double racing striped uh, cream, crema, crema corn morph uh, whatever. Right. You know, you know, because this is really odd. This is cool. And the next morning, you open the top of the bucket and you look down and you go, huh? You know, it's a, it's a gray acorn. <laughs> yeah. You go, what happened? Did somebody, Wait. you look around and you stand in your house, you go, okay, somebody's playing a joke. It's not the same snake. Right. You know? Yeah. But it is. But wow. the most beautiful stuff you, you see, and, and for me, are, are things that, that have been out there. You know, the, everything, the light, the way it works, the reflection of that ecosystem and, and particular habitat and, and the reason the snake is speckled and looks the way it does and, and the way it blends in with the rock, whether you're in the, looking for speckles in the, in the TAs or, or Lepidus in the Davis Mountains, you get it when you see that out there. You don't get that when, when it's in a high box or, or even a, a, a European, you know, type terrarium or something. Right. It, it, you just can't. You just can't match it. It's just not the same. But it makes what you do at home so much more, and and appreciate it so much more. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um. So I. You know. I. I stumbled upon that by accident. You know. We were. We were in Brisbane, and we found the coastal carpet. Right. And, you know, when I looked at mm -hmm. it, it looked very similar to what we would call jungle carpet esque in the U.S. Right. And. We're, we're, we're looking at this thing and I, I snapped a picture of it, like climbing back into the tree that, you know, there was like, you know, there were maybe five foot, right, Rob, the trees, you know, it was like a young tree, or yeah. you know, and when you see that, I, you know, you can see the tail, but the rest of it just disappears. And it's, you know, like, wow. You know, yeah. I mean, we're all caught up in these morphs and all, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not against that at all, you know, but like to right. really get an appreciation of just like what you just said is, uh, you know, seeing that snake in the environment, then you understand why it looks the way it looks, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that and, and very specific sometimes. Yeah. To certain trees. I mean, you especially see this in some of the bigger geckos on and and you know uh, on different barks and different trees and things. Sure. Uh, it's 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 just fascinating how that stuff has evolved, 
you know, and, um, uh, you know, Harry Green, I mean, he's got it right. His book, Tracks and Shadows, by the way, I put a plug in there. It's a great book by, by a true academic and, and you right. know, a great man. But, you know, addresses all those associations and things. So, But you don't see that, you know, unless you get out there and do that. You know, sure. it's interesting sidelight is, is a little little off the course here. But, right. you know, for some reason, I, I can't tell you how many snakes I've found when you're out in the middle of somewhere in the desert and you got to pee and you're standing there peeing <laughs> right. and there's nothing there because you're so busy looking, but you got to stand still, right? right. So you're standing still and you're like, what do you do when you're peeing? You're looking around right? and you're looking around. All of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, there's an Aatrox coiled right here, you know, <laughs> or there's something. That, that has happened on nights I haven't seen one snake. Really, you know, you, you stop and pee and... You know, I, I got to get out there more because I'm an old guy and I pee a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I'd probably find, probably find those alternatives, you know, that I missed out on. You're in luck, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> you know how my bladder works. Oh, yeah. goodness. <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So I, I got a crazy question. So what has been the most exciting thing that you've found in the field? Well, maybe the most exciting snake, first of all, that, that I've had in captivity is I hatched a two-headed corn snake back before bicephalic snakes. I mean, they were like two known, a right. king snake and a gopher snake at the West Coast. And I, I, I hatched one out, and it was kind of big news and all the AP press carried all that kind of stuff. That was, that was pretty oh. exciting. And I raised that. In fact, that was the snake that went was on Johnny Carson. With was it uh, June Embry or what was her name? You know, from the San Diego Zoo, the blonde right. that was always on there, and they named that thing. I got talked out of it actually. I, <laughs> you know, zoos zoos don't trade stuff because they they they're a part of an agreement, right? Right. Unless right. unless they want something, <laughs> and they wanted that two headed they wanted that two headed snake, and they got it. But I I got pairs of stuff that nobody had. So, you know, it worked for them and it worked for me. But that snake was on, you know, for about 10 years. They called it them. Um, and it was, you know, that was kind of interesting. But, gosh, I, you know, um, oh, there's so many different It's like things. picking your favorite um, kid, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, how do you pick? Well, right? yeah, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, by the way, I tell all my grandkids they're, they're my favorite. And they believe it. So, you know, <laughs> so. so you know, and they finally get to that age where they, you know, right. they don't really believe in grandpa anymore and stuff. They go, hey, did he tell you you were a favorite? Oh, yeah, sure did. <laughs> so then you can add liar to the list, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, here's a here's a snake. I, I don't – there there's some really incredibly cool snakes that I've found. A, a couple uh, kind of common – well, I did, I did find three um, – uh, deck colors, midget faded rattlesnakes in one night, which was really good using Carl Caulfield's notes. Oh, wow. And I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. And incidentally, yeah, and it was in a uh, fiery furnace. Uh, it was in uh, um, Arches National Monument, uh, National Monument. So, you know, um, I asked Carl about that. I, he always had connections with, with the park people. So I guess he was able to do stuff. And I, I, don't think that would have applied to me, but 
Anyway, <laughs> I found through tree one night, you know, in, in a Volkswagen flannel shirt, about 60 degrees, and only rattlesnake up there. And I thought I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I found something that people may think is common. We we were um, 15 years ago. We were in the uh, uh, Tanaz Altus Mountains in um, south of Yuma on the Barry Gold, Goldwater Range. It's a huge marine training base down there. It's huge. And we were looking for the white speckled rattlesnakes. And oh, right. With uh, Eric Dugan, Dr. Dugan, and Gary, and Cherry Salmon, and I think Cherry's on that trip. And we, we, we were out. We didn't see much. And um, Gary called me over back of the canyon in the nighttime and says, hey, hey there's, there's a liar snake here. And, you know, I went over and I said, wow. That's a really cool liar snake, and we, we we caught that liar snake. And then I went back, and Eric came walking up. He was in canyon next to us, and he said, "Hey, I got something to show you." And I said, "No, we have something to show you." And we both pulled out <laughs> this juvenile liar snake, a male and a female. And wow. Both pulled them out, and one of the most incredible looking liar snakes you will ever see. I mean, Vilkins and I is really really cool, but these things were white and silver. Oh, wow. And I had that pair, and I killed one when I, I shut, uh, you know, I have a rack. I most of my cages are open, but I had a, I had a rack, and I, you know, just somehow pinched that little head up in there or something. I don't know, you know, uh, just a, a, a real tragedy, but very cool. But when I look back on it, you know, um, uh, I didn't find a speckled. I think Gary did and stuff, and. Um, but for me, you know, that was such an unexpected really cool find. Um, found a seven-foot gray rat snake years ago. I, I shimmied up a oak tree and looked in, in this big hole in the tree, and I got my eyes up to the level, like doing a pull-up, and, uh -huh. and I had to back off because I, I went <laughs> I was looking right in the face of this huge gray rat snake, and it was a, a, a true measured seven-foot snake that laid 32 eggs. Wow. And I had Hatched those eggs. There was in Gainesville, uh, up in the uh, uh, north part of Latchell County, and um, actually on a river up there. And uh, I took them all back that same place, you know, with, with the mother, let them all go. I kept a pair of them and stuff. But, uh, you know, that, that was a cool find. Nothing really, you know, extremely rare and remarkable, uh, but, but have found some things that uh, certainly that Glass Mountain Alterna is a very rare snake. You know, finding that was was extremely thrilling. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll think of things. You know, after we finish this, that that stand <laughs> out there. You know, uh, you know, you know, finding my first uh, uh, rosy bow. I, I love rosy bows, and you know, have a number of them. Um, and collected them. Uh, you know, on the road in the desert, but uh, and and I wrote about this in one of the books and. But uh, we went to the El Pasos, and we went there because Gracia, uh, with you know, right. attached to Rosie Boys, came from um, uh, Lawrence Clauber's wife was Grace yeah. Clauber, and um, so uh, I thought that was cool, and and you know, um, so so we we found we really had a great day, and uh, but but finding the first one. You know, turning the right kind of rock and stuff was was you know just you know very very exciting. I have a lot of great stories in Okatee, um, you know, back in the day. 
um, actually before it even really got, you know, too popular finding, found um, two corn snakes in the same trip that one was right at a, a six foot or 72 inches, the other one was just under that, and um, thought they were two males. I didn't really check. And Louis Forrest stopped by the house after I got back, and those turned out to be a pair and went to the Berlin Zoo. One of the big pair of corn snakes, but finding those out in natural habitat right after a little bit of a rain coming out of a huge pine stump and stuff, uh, those certainly stand out. Um, gosh, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I know it's 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 <laughs> it's so hard, right? You know, I mean, to pick your favorite. Has there well, been- it, it 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 is. Um, has, um, there, has there been one that's eluded you? One that maybe that you, that you haven't, that you've wanted to see and haven't seen? Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, love to, love to find a, a, a South Florida mole king snake, Occipital lineatus. Uh, you know, I've had them and bred them, but a uh, very elusive snake. I, I still like to find a uh, short-tailed snake, which are now Lampropeltus. Um, which is okay. kind of interesting, um, uh, but very elusive. You know, certain snakes you don't, you can't go collect. You just happen on them. Right. You know, <laughs> it's not like flipping and looking. You just stumble on them. You know, and and haven't stumbled on those. Those are certainly you know a couple local snakes. Um, I've been pretty fortunate to, you know, have, have found. Um, uh, Quite a few different species of rattlesnakes, and I've had just about everything short of Salvini and Cisneri, a long-tailed rattlesnake. Um, um, but Chris Rodriguez actually did some great work down there, uh, Lanami and um, uh, four subspecies, I think. I, I kind of think myself that it's just one long cline of different color variations. Eric Smith, I always think probably the same. But I take liberty of being a non-academic with my thoughts. But when you get older and you get real brave, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you put it out there. I mean, I have thoughts on a lot of things, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I'll, I'll let you know. I mean, Grismer is a tremendous herpetologist, uh, academic, and did all that Bahama work and knows so much more than I do. Um, but, you know, I think his thought, I heard him speak once on Catalinensis, Rattles, Rattlesnake down there, Santa Catalina Island, the one off Baja, California, of course, um, that they've lost their rattle because of, uh, you know, they're primarily feeding on birds and not other things. And, right. you know, that would be no see and this kind of thing. And I don't think so. You know, there, there there's a... Uh, there was a population of amoblis, uh, the Del Nido Ridgenose rattlesnake, um, in, in a canyon. And uh, Louis got a few animals from there, and all of them were missing their rattle. Uh, they, they just had that uh, first nub button. And, right. and, and when, you analyze, when you analyze that, what, what happens is there's a genetic flaw, and the groove in that matrix doesn't attach. It's too large, and it sheds off. So I, for me, that's a genetic flaw that's been isolated on a small island. And right. over time, it just becomes kind of a dominant, you know, trait, I think. You know, I, I, I think. But, you know, if, if, if Craig Trump Powers is versus Harry Green or Grismer or <laughs> someone else, you know he's going to win every time. And, you know, 
and I'll be, I'll be told very politely, you know, to stick to my storytelling, and I'm 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 happy to do that, you know. But uh, but I but I do have my thoughts, and 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 by the way, when you're snake hunting in cars with friends, everybody has their thoughts, and that's a lot of fun because sure, you know, you now being in a car for a reason for seven or eight hours slows you down. You know, I, I've always said in in relationships with your know, wife or girlfriend or something. If, if you take a trip that's eight or nine hours long and you pull into your driveway, your garage, and you're still talking about something and, 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 you know, you turn the engine off and you're in the car for 30 minutes still talking about something, that's probably really a good thing. It's those trips you get in there with a friend and you go to West Texas or, or your wife or something, and there's hardly a word said for 10 or 12 hours, you know? Right. And um, uh, that should tell you something. You know, so the opportunity to be uninterrupted, um, you know, uh, in a car is not a bad thing. It really gives you a pause to really talk about things and your own opinions about things and thoughts. And right. um, I think all those things are important, you know. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good point. You know, it's it's I find it. I find it crazy when we're driving around on these trips and driving around for hours and hours that we still can continue to to talk about snakes and reptiles and not, you know, keep repeating the same things. And, you know, you go down well, different you know, rabbit holes, passionate. you know, there's that word, you know, you're passionate, man. Yeah. You know, you're passionate, something you, you love and you go someplace that it's like you guys, you know, going to Australia and Cape York Peninsula all the way down, you know, to South and then West and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you, you, you get a little bit of it, and there's so much of it that you want oh. and you're passionate. And to have that, you know, to have that passion. I mean, look, look, we take it for granted. You think that everybody is passionate about something, but they're really not. Right. You know, it's part of the problem we have today, you know, and um, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not a super religious guy. So I use the word blessed kind of in a reserved way, but I guess sure. I'm kind of blessed to, to, to be, you know, really so passionate. I get up in the morning, a cup of coffee, you know, I walk in my little snack room and I look at something cool up there and I just think it's so damn neat. You know, <laughs> it's just so cool. Yes. And I've been doing it 55 years, you know, and, um, still going uh, you strong, know, right? can't wait. <laughs> yeah, well, can't wait to show somebody something. And, right. Uh, and, you know, you show some things and people, Nowadays, go, hey, Craig, where's all the good stuff? I said, well, you just saw it. That's extremely rare. It's just not red and yellow. It looks ugly, but the story is amazing. Yes. It's such a cool snake. Yeah. Now, it doesn't have to translate to a snake show. It's like carpet pythons, guys. I had a lot of carpet pythons. You right. know, there was some some ugly shit that made its way here. Sure, you know, uh, <laughs> some, some of the lesser subspecies and things, other than the coastal carpet pythons that we knew growing up, right? And and some of the Erinjaya stuff and all the stuff that came in, and you go what? But then when you really realize, you know, where it came from and how it, you know, you actually it's here right. it's in Florida in my box and right. you know, it's so cool and there's a story behind it, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I think, you know, you know, what, what, what's wrong with me? How can I be that excited 
you know, about going in the snake room and cleaning cleaning the cages, you know. So, but it's okay. <laughs> but somehow we you are, know? you know. <laughs> yeah, so somehow we are. Right. The trick is to find that that special relationship in your life who's all aboard, and that's a tough one. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm really lucky. I have someone that's all in and is supported and been behind me and. Um, I just, it would be a different life if I didn't have that. So, um, so I'm here to tell you, I have it all. I have no complaints and no problems. And, uh, uh, it, it's been a good ride. I just want, I want a little bit more, you know, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to set this thing up and, you know, um, I was just coming off of, uh, some cancer treatment stuff and, you know, I wasn't feeling really particularly really well yet. And I said, I don't know, you know, and he chained me into going and it, you know, it was 16 of us. All of us knew each other, Randy Lindbergh, Gary Kiesler and myself and, and uh, TJ Hilliard brought all his camera stuff along. And, and uh, we, we pretty much, we got on a, a big trimaran. We look, we, we didn't do this primitive style, like all those trips when I was 20 and 30, we, <laughs> we did we did we did it in grand style we ate really well and we had a really cool crew but let, let me tell you if you haven't been to the galapagos man yeah you you gotta go swimming with with marine iguanas and penguins shooting around you and and all of this stuff and and you know what an epicenter uh, for for discovery and you walk around that area and and, and you, you, you think about um, origin of the species and, and all of this stuff. It, it, was, it was really uh, uh, an incredible trip. And I would encourage everybody, you know, to, to try to do that when it's healthy to do so. Uh, that, that just was just crazy, you know. I mean, we, we snorkeled every day, and I grew up in Florida and snorkeled stuff. You know, I took me... I was worried about my wife just drowning. I didn't know how well she was going to do in the water. She just she took off like crazy, and then she goes, "Come over here," and you know, I swam over there, and there's like three six foot sharks circling around her, you know. And it wow. uh, took me a minute. To, it, you know, well, you know, I think uh, it was a, a black tip, and and then um, a couple of Galapagos sharks. But you know, uh, and they weren't interested in us. But it takes a minute for you to go. Okay. Okay. I've got. I, I sure. all these guys think I'm the tough guy, and I've got to go as advertised, right? But I'm looking down there, going, you know, I'm really not that tough, you know. <laughs> but but once you got into it and got used to it, man, it was just remarkable, you know, uh, the the wildlife and and the animals there are just not afraid of you. They just have not developed that fear. You know, just to see huge galop tortoises out in the wild that have yeah. been there for 150 years. You know, when you think about that, it's just, it just mind-blowing. You know, and we, we, I've got a picture of Lynn and I next to a huge galop that I swear it's twice as big as anyone ever seen in captivity. It just is crazy how big that thing was. Wow. And the, the land iguanas, the birds, the species, all those boobies and stuff. And half of them, you walk right up to the nest. I mean, you practically touch the bird, you know. Uh, wow. Really, really, a, 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 just a tremendous experience. Uh, just a lot of fun. And uh, if you do it, um, get a group of people and then do your homework, you know, get the, get, get the right boat and stuff and, and, and do it with a, with a group, not where you're meeting, you know, 
Joe and Sally and all this other stuff. And it just that takes away from it. Just go with your own group uh, and uh, uh, you'll have a great time. It just the people are wonderful. And, um, you know, it's every, everything as advertised. I'm glad I went. That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess uh, kind of the final final questions is for, for people out there. I know you said you're not working with a ton of stuff at this point, but uh, what are, what reptiles do you keep in boxes these days? Well, it's you know it's it's a uh, it's a real mix, and and I just keep things that that I really like, and there's there's no reason. It's it's certainly not an economic thing. I mean, I'm not certainly not bragging. We don't need the money from a reptile collection and stuff. We're okay. And, um, uh, and, and, uh, some of it is, is looks very commercial and, and appeals to a lot of people and other stuff, you know, is a head scratch for people. Uh, I have a number of beards, rat snakes, uh, some locality things, and, and not some of your more big orange, beautiful ones, but some animals from the Davis Mountains, um, uh, Boy Scout awesome. Road animals, like the that I caught, that, that I think are a little different. They're a little smaller, a little more silver. Um, I, I have those. I, I just really love those. Um, I have some, some very rare locality morph um, uh, king snakes, um, some cow kings, uh, some of the lesser-known stuff that may not be, you know, particularly attractive, but it, the story behind them, you know, with the only two animals ever caught, now it's been developed, and those morphs have been preserved through perpetoculture and stuff. Uh, I find that kind of uh, fascinating. I, I have a pair of black-headed pythons. I just, uh, uh, to me, look, there, there's a there's the big five snakes, and and uh, here again, academics will beat me up for this, but I think that there there's several snakes out there that probably have the intelligence of a white rat, which is saying a lot. Right. You know, king cobras, if you, I've kept kings, and if, if you have king cobras, I would go as far to say that they probably can identify their captive, not just people, right. but their captive. If you watch them the way they move their head and turn their eye and make eye contact with you, it's not movement contact, they, they actually watch you. And they're very curious, very smart. I, I find black-headed pythons it's kind of hard to see with that big black eye and a black head, but um, I, I find them just fascinating. Their behavior and belly up, and and they're so have so much personality. They're just really a cool snake. And, Definitely. And by the way, you, you'll you'll never find one out there for sure that looks anything like these big obese things you see in the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, one guy out there did a study on them. He found one, this was really interesting, and, and he watched it for weeks. And it, it came out under this big stump, and it fed every single day on small lizards. Wow. Every day. And, you know, one, two, what it could catch. Sure. And of course, you know, the population speed on a big guana, you know, and, and or whatever they can get down. But uh, just, uh, I, I, man, they're really, really neat snakes. And, and, and I just... I think there's something in themselves I, to, to, to bite into the fact that they're just a pure python. And I look, I respect mitochondrial DNA, somatic DNA. I, I, I get all that. Um, but, you know, they just kind of belong by themselves. And I, and I know they're part of WOMAs, too, and stuff. But WOMAs and blackheads are very different. 
you know. Um, anyway, I'm passionate about those things. So I got a pair of those. So I just, uh, you know, I love them. That's um, fantastic. So one, one side, just one side note on that is that Eric and I, uh, and Owen and Keith McPeak did, uh, we did find one when we were in the Northern territory, east of Darwin. And I'm, I'm with you. They're just fantastic. That was, you know, a mind blowing aspect of the trip. They're totally fantastic. Look, there this, the long, scrawny, colubrid-looking python, you know, with with this round head. That that there are so many stories. Um, I there there's a guy. Um, I want to say his last name Dick Sargent, I guess. One of the guys that that keeps blackheads um, feeds his blackheads fish once in a yeah. while. And wh- where in the world does a blackhead python? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So, so here you go. Here, here we go back to your passion and stuff. You go, man, it's fascinating. What's that all about, right? I mean, you know, maybe some little mud hole chub, you know, with a couple extra veins in the fin or something. But, but wow, they're crazy, you know, over, over, over fish. I, I just thought that was fascinating. But love those snakes. Um, I've got, um, I'm a Pitchopus guy, too, by heart. Did a lot of breeding early on. And uh, I have a pair of uh, Kentucky pines that uh, I went to college for four and a half years in Kentucky and hunted around Mammoth Cave and Moore County and stuff. And these were gifted to me because somebody knew the story. And uh, it was awesome. my, I, I don't like the word bucket list, but I, I, you know, I, it was one of those things that if anybody asked me, I'd say hands down, Kentucky Pines, you know, and and the only one I ever saw was uh, one a pickle at University of Kentucky, and kind of yellow, and and then a friend of mine found a dead one in Tennessee, his whole population over there, um, wow. but they were gifted to me, gifted to me, and and um, I I just uh, I, I just love them, uh, you know, they're they're big honkers now and stuff, but uh, you know I have those, and I've got some Agama. Um, some uh, Baja Mountain King snakes, uh, you know, a few of those, and, and enjoy working with those. And and uh, I have a few gopher snakes from the gopher snake lab to, to prove that you know I'm not just one-sided here. This new zombie morph, this new zombie morph. I mean, where did that come from? But I, it was explained to me that they look dead when they're when they hatch because they're kind of blue looking. But okay. you know, I look I look at the morph. And, uh, Jason Nelson and some other people are doing all this stuff and contacted me early for notes and things when I first bred and, um, Glenn Brooks, uh, did a talk and I gave him some pictures and things and he, he sent me one just complimentary. And, um, I, I look at that thing and I just go, <laughs> and I'm like a ball python person. I go, thing. and you know, and, and when, when they just, when they describe all the genetics, thinking for sure, because I'm the first one to do the white-sided bull and all that stuff, I didn't create it. It just happened. So I have not a clue what they're talking about. I, you know, they just, they, they tell me that chance. I go, yeah, cool. I don't, I don't care about that. All I know is this really, really a pretty cool snake, you know? So 100%. You know, I'm all over the I'm all over the place. I do have um, quite a few rosy boas and, and I, I love locality. Um, strip locality stuff and um, definitely and, and love the love those so um, yeah I mean you know gosh I don't know uh, anthill <laughs> pythons you know uh, babies uh, unrelated 
And by the way, I'm pretty good, pretty good at sex and stuff through the years. Have uh-huh. you ever sexed ba- baby uh, pertensos, anthill pythons? You ever tried? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, well, well, let me tell you. <laughs> two, clutches, two clutches that hatched, and I sexed them all and got all females, and I went, nah. Right. Thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. And, there, and I don't know the kid's name. Um, uh, who's the guy in Lauderdale that does the exactly black-headed pythons and uh, some Australian stuff? Um, uh, Derek Roddy? Or is it... I, um, I don't know. Just ring pythons and, and uh, oh, um, I don't know about that area. I was thinking. Um, oh shoot, he's down in Lauderdale, and, and, and yeah. he's, he's pretty well known. And I apologize for not, you know, remembering. But you know, uh, I, I went over and I said, "Hey, you know, have you ever sexed uh, small annual pythons?" And he just he looked at me and said, "Craig." See this guy, and I look up. Here's the guy. He's about like, six five and cool uh-huh. dude, young sur- surfer kind of guy. Hair swept way back, you know, and stuff. And he goes, "This guy." And I went, "Really?" I said, "Okay, this guy. Come prove yourself." Right. He came over and you know, and and yeah, and found a few males. Was able to to pop them, and you know, I tried probing and everything, and um, and so I got my pair. And, uh, uh, they're, you know, they're so damn small, but uh, I've got one on pinks now. Still work up, but I love them. You know, you look in there and you go, golly, where is it? That's kind of small, <laughs> you know? Right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I've got a gray rat snake in there from my yard. And I've, you know, found 25 gray rat snakes here on my property. And this one's really light, really cool. So, you know, I've got my grandkids out looking for a little female and then and a, a ton of friends that say, well, man, you live right there where great rat snakes are. And I, I want a pair. And I said, well, let me get, let me find you the right pair. So, you know, so right. it, it's all it's all over the place back in there. So that's awesome. Um, but but I love it. Love every bit of it. Uh, there's there's not a show that I go to that I don't walk out with something. I mean, it, it's crazy. And that's your that's the passion. 100%. Dave Parker and I were in a show about six, seven years ago, and, and Linda and Tracy were sitting outside, and we walked in the show, and people started coming up, and somebody said, hey, you remember those snakes that, you know, I got, well, here, I want to, I produced these, and you look down, and you go, oh, my gosh, these are so much better than what I first produced, right? A lot of red <laughs> right. stuff. Right, yeah. And so, here, no, they're yours. Why it happen? Somebody gave Dave stuff. We walked out with about, uh, true story, about 15 cups from the show, <laughs> stuff that people gave us. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a cocky son of a bitch. I, I don't know why. I just, you know, I'm just truth in advertising here. And, you know, and, and David's not, and he's a very, very smart guy. But we walked out, and we were both pretty cocky, and walked up to the girls and said, said, hey, you know, who's big? Look, who's big? <laughs> Front and Barker. Walk in. We walk out 15 cups. What can I say? You know? And, uh, Linda said, well, you know what? She calls me Skipper. She goes, you know what, Skipper? She goes, uh, it might be that kind of uh, end-of-life thing. You two aren't looking too, you're not too, looking too healthy, you know? Oh, gosh. And, and sympathy factor might be in there, and they're going, man, guys, you better give Trumbauer something. That might be the last time you see him. Parker isn't looking too, Parker isn't looking too good either, you know? Oh, so gosh. I got, oh, 
we never we never thought of that, you know. I said, man, I don't know. That kind of took the joy out of this uh, <laughs> double lesson stripe cream of zipper corn snake that somebody gave me, you know. So, oh god, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a good ride, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I just, like I said, I, I wish I had another lifetime to live, you know, doing this. And uh, when, when you're doing it and when you're out there in the field, especially, you know, COVID and hate and, and crime and world population and all of those things that we're just blasted with, whether you watch Fox or CNN, it doesn't matter. It's just we're inundated with it. All of that goes away. You're, you're looking, you're looking at, a, at a plane and a mountain and a cut that was there hundreds of years ago. Um, it's, there's a sameness. You, you, you go out West Texas and look at the sky and you actually can see all of those, the constellation. You can see all the different stars and things, and, and it makes you feel insignificant but somehow whole and good, you know. So I uh, just, uh, yeah, one, one every minute I can get. No doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. To, to that point, uh, one of the usual questions that we ask folks at the end, just to kind of get us all into the dreaming mindset, particularly now with the COVID stuff and all, is uh, if there's one place that you haven't gone herping yet, or maybe it's a favorite spot you want to go back to, um, where would that be? Is, you know, more in the context of like a place you've always wanted to go and you need to make happen. Well, I, I, I mean, Australia is still there. I haven't been there. My, my daughter-in-law is from Australia. Um, I, I have some, some really world-famous herpetologists down there that I'm very good friends with and stuff. We, we communicate. We talk. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it just, it's been circumstantial, um, just not the right time. We just, we just haven't made it. We, we have places to stay, and we, you know, all these people that we want to see. So certainly, and that'll happen, hopefully, you know, but, but um, uh, I, I love Baja and I want to go back there. We went down there and did the whale thing in a kind of a primitive way. And, right. um, uh, and, uh, and let me, let me tell you, just one of the greatest trips ever. And uh, uh, just, uh, I just can't tell you. And plus the fact the herpetology, the, the people down there are so good. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I love that place, and we, we definitely are going to go back soon, um, uh, Gary and Eric and I and our wives and stuff, and, uh, and do that. So there's still places uh, you don't want to go, and, uh, you know, um, you guys have fun down there in Australia. You know, eventually I'm going I'm to make it down there. I feel like I know, like, the back of my hand. And, um, you know, uh, and like I said, I have some friends that are getting very old back there that are you know, academics and stuff that, that we want to go see and, and and do that. And we will do that. But, uh, um, yeah, nobody nobody comes back there with, with the hurt mindset that, that just doesn't automatically say, man, I got to go back, you know. Yeah. Brett I mean, went out there and sat down a black-headed and stuff. And, you know, that's just, that's all he talks about. You know, so they got to go back. Yeah. We were on the plane back. And said, "Okay, we got to figure it out. We'll be back in six months." Literally, you know, yeah. as we're, we're taking off, it's like, "Okay, let's let's actually nail down when we're going to be back here." Yeah, I and and look, it's such a big place, and still, it really is a frontier. It's wild, and and I think of West Texas is the same thing. I think of West Texas as really the last wild frontier in America. There, there's certainly the Grand Tetons and. And, and places that are more 
theatrical and majestic and stuff. But but as far as that looking for miles and 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 the Comanche trace and the Apache Indians and all those things that live out there, that soul of America, yeah. um, that's that place. And I think that's Australia to you know to to kind of the world, you know. So um, uh, it's just uh, you know. Um, and, and I certainly want to go over on the west side too, over there to Perth and, you know, some of those areas. So, but uh, 100%. yeah, you guys, you guys are plenty young. You got, you got a lot of travel, a lot of stuff to do. And I think you're doing a good thing with these talks. I don't know, you know, why I'm included in these things. So that, that, that may be an end. <laughs> that might be an end to the Morelia Association or whatever this thing is, but, uh, um, oh, golly. You know, I, I think it's a great thing. And, and to get that flavor of, of different people and uh, a commonality between all of us. And uh, um, I, I think this is really a good thing and respect you guys for doing it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I really appreciate it. The, the last uh, last note or last one is, and I know you've, it, well, you still have stuff, but you've, you've moved away from this a little bit. If there was a species that you could have regardless of sort of legality or practicality or any of these things, right? So if in a perfect scenario, the thing, what, what would the thing be to keep in captivity? Well, we're, we're, we're back. We're back to the Crowdwood thing, you know, certainly. Um, uh, there's there's certainly some lesser montane rattlesnakes, uh, you know, transversus and um, and some of the smaller ones, stitch array, all those things. I could certainly live with, you know, just a pair of something like that. But you know, my favorite snake guys, and and I miss the most. And if I, you know, I started with with a ribbon snake, and my first real snake really meant something was a corn snake. And I I would imagine that. When I'm on my deathbed, I'll at least have a corn snake left and something. But for me, the ultimate snake, my snake, my thing, are eastern diamondback rattlesnakes. Um, they just, uh, um, you know, I got kind of moved away from my thought. I was telling you about the top five snakes, and I, you know, that 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 are pretty smart. Certainly, king cobras. I think bushmasters. I've had they're they're kind of a notch. You know, a notch above that. Yeah. I think I think these East, Eastern Diamondbacks are very interesting. Um, some of their behavior, you know, with 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 people, human beings, black-headed pythons are in there as well. Um, but but I love Eastern Diamondbacks. It's 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 a huge snake. Um, it's somehow hung on to survive, and yeah. uh, um, they're they're just uh, wow. It's just I, I have so much history with them. And uh, certainly I've had some, some rare ones, you know, one of, one of the few asymptomatic right. ones and, and had some big ones, you know, well over seven. I actually seen two eight-foot captive raised Eastern Diamondbacks. Um, wow. a, magnif- a magnificent Nearctic uh, just form of snake. It's just, it's just never, it just, it just never uh, goes away when you when you find one in the wild, and it's just it's it's just you suck air, you know. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. That that sounds yeah. Well, I have some of those stories too, like you know, and where you literally, you know, you know, you've had a couple of bites as well. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, probably probably Eastern Islanders. You know, I I think they're just a really really neat snake. So you know. So yeah, you guys need to go out there and and 
Plus yeah. the new carpet fight. No. <laughs> get get a couple yep. couple generous guys, you know, to put an eye behind that and put your bet your last name on that. So <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know. So the, the diamondback thing, I, you know, I keep saying it's towards the end or whatever, and then asking more questions, but I know in, in your book, um, and maybe it meant a lot to me because I was at Daytona the years of the, the, what the two years, right. That they did the venomous show. And you talk about getting that special Eastern diamond back and, and all. So I don't, whatever kind of came out of that, if anything, oh, wow. a well, thing. a lot. Yeah. Okay. A lot. I mean, I, I produced some truly melanistic Asian Diamondbacks. I I had one that, um, uh, in fact, right before I left, uh, she died. She died gravid. And um, here again, this is a, a captive thing. She, you know, when I opened her up, uh, she's just obese. And you, right. know, you, you rarely find wild snakes with tremendous amounts of lipid buildup, but you open up a lot of these captive snakes and even the ones we think that we're not fitting that much and you can just pinch out the lipid in there, yeah. just white gloves, you know, and she, um, um, you know, she, she had a thrombus, a coronary, you know, big clot in her heart, just, you know, for all the same reasons people die. Right. And, you know, she, she was huge. She was over seven and very black, a very, very, very neat looking snake. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I did take the skin and cured it and sent it to a museum. So it's up, it's out there, the Chiricahua Desert Mountain Museum. I mean, the, uh, that's awesome. Desert Museum. Bob Ashley took it, but, um, that certainly was a cool snake and, um, um, uh, probably the greatest single snake I've ever seen was Snowflake, the leucistic, uh, Eastern Dog. Yeah. Bill Love. It was given that, and I, and I chronicled that. He, he loaned me that story, and, and I had to tell that story. But to see that snake, you know, in person, it was just bone white with, with gold and silver in the iris and the eyes, and just, uh, wow, you know, um, really something. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know. I remember seeing that snake even as a kid. You know, Bill used to have such a comprehensive photo gallery on his website and things. So I remember seeing that picture you know, more than 20 years ago or whatever on his website. And then, you know, getting more context in it and, you know, your book and, and his stuff as well as, yeah, there's just certain. Yeah. I wanted that snake. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to get that snake. I wanted that snake. I had an azanthic and an amelanistic and, you know, and wanted that snake. And, you know, he was given that snake, uh, which was just a, a, yeah, a story. crazy story. Right. And, yeah. With the, the lunchbox and yeah, all this. And, you yeah. know, he, he, he did try to breathe. I just, for me, you know, as a female, I, I would have put that thing in a pit, you know, being, being in Florida and where it's from and put it in a pit, in a pit situation and, and put five males in there and just, you know, see what happens. Yeah. And sometimes those things aren't uh, breedable. Leucism, there's a lot of problems. Exophthalma, these bug dies, now seeing them in, in um, palmetto corn snakes as well and stuff. It seems to be attached to that gene releasism stuff. So, so, you know, maybe it just wasn't breedable. I know he tried very hard and he had copulation. He just never got any, got anything, but what, what a, a Jay, gosh, just what a, what a mind blowing snake. So just the whitest white, you know, the, all these snow, snow things that we create because you, you know, you right. get an yeah, animal, yeah. Hey, we can make a snow. And uh -huh. <laughs> you you finally have accomplished breeding every bit of color and nice stuff, and you get this, you know, piss in the snow yellow snake. 
you know, just <laughs> one in 16 snow. And, you know, and you go, yeah, what have we done? But <laughs> Snowflake, that was just bone white. Uh, it was, um, wow, what a snake. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, go catch something really cool in Australia. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, West Texas, you know, is our, is, you know, first, you know, and that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful about Australia and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're so excited to go too. I mean, it is, it's truly fantastic. And yeah. there are just so many different places, you know, we've been twice and I feel like we haven't seen anything, you know, there's, well, and the other thing, right. Is what kind of what you hit on with West Texas is that it's like you go once and then you kind of have to go back because of what you learned the first time. You know, so you just have to, you don't even check oh. it off the list. You just got to go oh. back. The first time just opens doors and <laughs> then there's so many questions, you know, Yeah. and you just, you just have to go. But I think that's really a good thing. It becomes a second home, a second place, a second part of you, you know, and it, it gets you out and going. And, um, um, I, I, you know, and, and, you know, what a, what a unique place anyway. Every animal over there is just so different and so cool. So, yeah, you it's, know. it's such a magical spot, you know? So it's, yep. 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 Really. It really is. Really is. So maybe when you go back, I'll give you a couple names too, um, in a different conversation uh, yeah. of, uh, people that look, look up and, uh, not that I, my name is in, but you can draw my name and stuff. And, uh, they'd be glad to help you out and stuff. And, you know, one's a world turtle expert and a couple other guys and stuff. But, um, sure. you know, uh, it'd be a, uh, you know, kind of a cool Definitely. thing. But sure, I'm sure you already have your sights set on some some areas and stuff. And, <laughs> and by the way, there's there, there, look, there, there are so many races of carpet pythons that the United States have never even seen, oh, you know, yes. color forms, things and stuff. That it's just crazy. Some of those collections out there. When you go around, you go, oh, my gosh, you know. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. You know. It's that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, this this has been uh, just, you know, couldn't couldn't ask for better. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. I think, I think people, you know, self-effacing, you know, or whatever, inappropriately so, because I think people really enjoy this a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the attention. I don't take it too seriously. I am what I am, but, uh, but I appreciate it. People have been very nice to me in the last few years and stuff. So, um, but this has been good. I'm going to go, uh, uh, fix myself a nice, uh, single malt Irish whiskey, um, <laughs> on the rock and, and, and dream about snakes, uh, for tomorrow. I like your Hoping style. I can pair up my gray, gray rat snake in my backyard. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's always it's it's always something. So right. you know, yeah, awesome. Yeah. So you you're you're in Colorado, right? I am. Yes, and Eric's in Pennsylvania. Do you, do you know you know Cameron's Pevlin? Oh, I sure do. We actually had Cameron on the Cameron? show maybe two years ago. He he came on maybe yeah, two years Cam ago. Cam Cameron's a very good friend, and. Uh, um, uh, boy, he's got some stories, you know, oh, yeah. and well, well, and well, and well traveled. Yeah. 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 Inter interesting guy. So, um, well, look, I'll let you guys go. I really, uh, you know, appreciate the attention. Very nice of you guys. And, uh, hope I don't scare away your audience. <laughs> no, it'll yeah. be great. Yeah. I love that yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
All right. All right, guys. All right. All right. All right. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Be safe out there. All Bye. Right. Bye. All right. Thanks. Man, what a conversation. That was uh, yeah, man. long overdue and uh, very, very cool. Uh, what a cool guy, you know. Uh, I see why uh, everybody's been uh, hammering us to uh, have him on the show, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know how it goes with this stuff. It's always so funny that it's like, yeah, guys, I, I know. It's, it's you know, <laughs> the, the stuff we know that, you know, just in terms of context and uh, situations and all these things, that it's sure. like, it, it, oh, you know, have you guys asked Dave Barker on the show? Uh, actually, yes. <laughs> Surprisingly, no. Like we're familiar that, like yeah. you know, that that he exists and has all this knowledge, and you know, at, at some point in the future, maybe we can make it work. You know, I mean, that, it's kind of you know, he. Uh, I'm still holding Craig on just to hope, it up. Man. I'm holding on. Yeah, to hope. right. I mean, maybe Craig, Craig brought will, it up uh... in the context of yeah, he brought it up in the context of Cameron. You know, in the same way where you know, I'd asked him whatever it was always a. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, and then eventually it happened and it was more than we could have even dreamed for. And this to me was the same, you know, equally successful of like, okay, you know, I, as much as I say, yeah, people, yeah, guys, we, we know we're, we're, we're doing the best that we can. It's the, the same thing where none of those shows have disappointed thus, you know, 10 years in, none of those shows have disappointed. No. And there'll be one, I think that people will go back and listen to years from now, you know? I think there'll be yeah. the, uh, the, the episodes that people will sort of, you know, log into the, uh, you know, providing that, uh, I don't know, man, I'm going to have to like, I don't know what, what happens if all of a sudden I'm not here anymore. And, uh, you know, who's going to pay for NPR archives to stay up? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm worried, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, me and you have talked right. about it before you do all this hard work over the years and have all these episodes and then you know somebody gets uh, decides they don't want to do it anymore and then the content is just gone and that's the whole point of it is to keep that content available forever you know if you can right yeah. no I'm, I'm with you and it probably means just a different format or you know because you run into i know we think of it in the the, the context of all the herp nation show that to me is the real bump you know weirdly out of the it turns out the reptile radio stuff that I have all that <laughs> weirdly because it had been downloading automatically under the computer or whatever. So sure. that was, sort of, you know, a, a bizarre, unexpected blessing or whatever, but like the Herp Nation stuff, it's just gone, man. And it, it's really disheartening. So yeah, there's gotta be a way to, you know, I know collectively you and I are working on downloading all those things so that at a minimum, you know, as a fail safe, not, not for that intent, but just yeah. so that it exists, you know, just but in case <laughs> you never know. Right. You never know, man. Yeah. You know? So, cool. cool. It got me, uh, definitely got me excited for our trip. I think, uh, I think that will be, uh, will be awesome. And, uh, yeah, another part of the, well, yeah. And I mean, it, it's been, a, you know, so. Right. And to the point he made, right. It's, it's, and this was my feeling out of the, the, well, when I was out with you guys and we went to four States and or whatever, and it was just like, Oh, well, we only found these two things. Well, I would say that the two things that we found happened to be the coolest possible things. To find. <laughs> so that's sort of step one, you know, like, okay, well that, that I can make that work. Right. And step two is, is it's the joy in the process, joy in the effort of the thing. 
Yeah, I was sort of alluding to that in the uh, when we were talking to Craig, but I think, um, you know, one of the things that uh, with keeping snakes and buying snakes and what's next, and you're always on this hunt of like, uh, what's the next species I'm going to work with? And you get so excited and you're researching it and it's like, I don't, I don't know. And then you get the snake and it's, it's just like, um, what's next? You know, it's like right. you're always on this hunt for what's next. And I guess I'm at that point in my life where it's like, you know, it's funny as we're doing this interview, Owen just came over and just took all my jacks. So, you I know, that door's closed. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, actually, I, I lie. I have two. I had to keep the gamma. You know, I had to keep that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just a beautiful snake. And uh, I have the tiger jack. So, uh, oh, there is a third one. I, I forgot. I, I tried to give this one to Owen, but uh, he was, he was, it had IJ in it, so he passed. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Carmel Jag had granite, so <laughs> he was like, nah, I don't know, no, I don't think that's going to work out for me, but I should have took it out. He would have been uh, amazed at how beautiful that snake is, but yeah. Um, but but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think you get a little bit of that um, in the uh, in the whole herpin thing. You know, you get that that excitement of uh, what are you going to find next? And I guess you don't have to worry about feeding it or taking care of anything or, you know, it's 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 pretty- right. It's doing just fine on its own. And, right. you know, and even in the context, I know you had uh, turned me on to the um, NFK herping dude, especially in light of, you know, the trip and all this stuff. And, you know, sometimes he's pulling stuff that doesn't look like it's doing great. And that's sort of, uh, I think, the truth of the situation, right? Not everything looks like it's doing great. Heck, we saw that with one of the uh, irregularis, right, in Kakadu, that it was like, man, this thing (laughs) clearly needs, this thing needs needs a meal, you know, it's ready for it to be wet and to get a meal and stuff. But, um, well, you know, that's equally two children. I, right. Same thing. Right? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, there's a truth to that and whatever, but you know, for whatever for better or worse, you know, that's, that's where that's its home. And you just have to, you know, yeah. wish it well and <laughs> wish it well, take a picture and thank it for the, the memories and move right. forward. Right. hundred percent. So, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm glad we got that one uh, one down. Um, but uh, I'm excited to uh, get into his new book whenever. Uh, yeah, that, I was just thinking this. You know, two up. months. I, I was just thinking the same uh, same thought that yeah, I can't wait for that. I, they're really, I mean, they're lengthy books, but just with uh, maybe it's the subject matter or the way he's written them so well or whatever it is that man, I find them super readable. So that if you're if you actually give yourself the time to do it, you can read this, you know, read it in a day and then you, you want to read it again, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember you, uh, we, I, so funny story about that, this, that book, right. I remember us walking around Tinley park and, uh, you know, just like I say all the time, you know, the table that I always usually want to check out the most is the, uh, is the book table and see what, uh, what I don't have in the, in the, in the right. collection and, you know, or what, what can I learn new about? And you were like, Hey man, uh, more than snake hunting, you should, you should check this out. And I gotta be honest, when I first picked it up, I, I didn't really know who Craig was. And I was like, uh, you know, at the time it was like, I, I really just cared about field herping in Australia. And I was right. like, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And it, it's like one of those things. Okay. Rob hasn't disappointed me yet. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's sort of like, uh, it's funny. Like there's certain podcasts out there, right. That, that like, uh, you know, come up and they pop up in my feed and it, it, and it seems like something that I wouldn't be into. 
And I'm like, yeah, but they've never disappointed me. And this is not really reptile related, but, um, you know, and it's like, all right, I'm going to give it a listen. And then I find that the one that I was most, most uh, skeptical, skeptical of, yeah, yeah about it, it turns out to be one of my favorites. And, and this book is probably one of those, which led me to get the next one, you know, even more than snake hunting. Same thing. So. 100%. Take a chance sometimes, right? <laughs> <That's> yeah, <laughs> right. Especially when it's the context of a listening to a podcast or buying a, a book that's, you know, not not expensive. You know, it's like, okay, sure. well, of all the the right potential negative outcomes, there, there's really not not any <laughs> compared to, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So, I mean, I guess if you if you haven't picked up those books, I would definitely uh, check it out. Uh, I'm sure you can find them all over the place. Uh, you know, it's part of the eco uh, uh, company. So, uh, you know, you can go there or you can uh, I'm sure you can find it on Amazon or any of that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, check them out for sure. Definitely well worth it. And, you know, what is a cool thing. What was funny is I, I forgot to tell this part of the story. So I open up the. Um, the back and there's all these pictures of people uh-huh and I'm, I'm looking at it and i'm like wait a minute that's dennis mcnamara he's in this yeah. book like what wait yeah. a minute and then find out that you know he's a he's a you know these guys are friends and uh, you know it's a big fan of him and he was one of the guys that has been telling us to get him on forever but uh i'm like oh, well sorry. not only that <laughs> actually that that raises an excellent point is that uh, we do have to give a shout out to Dennis because yes. I know um, not only was he encouraging us to have Craig on where I said, yeah, I, I know Dennis, I, I know. But the part that, you know, differentiates there is that he really, you know, I know he put in more than a single good word for us in yeah. terms of doing this with Craig. And, you know, it's really thanks to, uh, thanks to Dennis that, that, you know, we were on Craig's radar enough for him to go out on the ledge and, and talk to us. So can't thank uh, Dennis enough for that. And obviously Craig was a fantastic guest and I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. 